I'm good. All right. All right, we got Teddy Atlas in here. Thank you, buddy, for coming in. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you guys for bringing me here. Appreciate it, and I didn't get lost too bad. <laughs> A little bit, but but your man Tony got me got me directed, so I appreciate it. I'm not good with, uh, you know, Customato, my mentor, he used to say to me, um, you know, he would joke with me and get on me a little bit and say, you know, you spin Teddy around and he's lost. And <laughs> and I said, because you're, you're worse. What are you talking about? Like, you're, you get lost all the time. We go to the shopping center, you get lost. <laughs> and he'd say, yeah, but if you give me a compass, I'd find my way anyway. I said, but people don't carry around compasses, because we're not in the army. <laughs> yeah. But when I was in the army, I yeah, but that, we're not in the army. We're... You know, a compass isn't being used out here. <laughs> so, you know, you get lost the same as me. But unfortunately, I prove cuss right too often where I do uh, get lost. But I, <laughs> but I got here. I got here. I, I was almost lost going to the bathroom. I mean, this place is a little bit of a maze. You it left me. No, it is a maze. You left me. You, you, I warned you. I said I might not get back immediately. And one of your guys came and brought me over. Yeah, hey, I'm just as bad as you, and this place is a maze. When I first got here, it took me a year to, because it all looks the same. Still a maze. Yeah. Still a maze. It, it all looks the same. Yeah, your guy was telling me, say, you know, some people get lost. Trying to make me feel bad, I guess, you guys. No, you, he's not making you, you're all, you're all nice people, and um, and that's always appreciated. So he's saying, you know, the pictures, people follow the pictures. I said, breadcrumbs. Yeah. <laughs> 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 breadcrumbs on the way. <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> so uh, before we get started, a big thing is uh, the foundation that you have, right? The uh, Theodore. Dr. Atlas. Dr. Atlas. Yeah, Dr. Uh, Theodore, uh, yeah. But Dr. Atlas. Yeah, uh, tab two. Yeah. Uh, you want to take us through this a little bit? Well, I guess in order to talk about it, I have to say the origins of why it started. 26 years We've been around, and obviously it's named after doctor. Uh, I am not a doctor. <laughs> and uh, it was named after my father. And he was a doctor. When he passed away, I just thought that it would be a good way of remembering him and to kind of carry his work a little bit. Not that we could ever get close to carrying his work, but um, he was 55 years. He practiced medicine in New York, and he had a huge practice people because uh, it was back in the day where there were no, you know, HMOs. There were there was no uh, Obamacare. There was it was either you were lucky enough to have a doctor who took care of you, or you wound up in a clinic. And quite frankly, the clinics weren't the best healthcare uh, quite often, uh, especially in areas and inner cities and stuff like that. So my father, for fifty five years, he took care of everybody who fell through the cracks. He did house calls to his 80 for free. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and he did it because he knew those people couldn't get out. They couldn't get out of their houses, the projects, wherever they were. They 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 just couldn't, and they couldn't afford, you know, to get taken care of in the proper way. So he did house calls to his 80, and um, he actually built two hospitals. He actually built a hospital before the Verrazano, for the people in New York, Staten Island. The Verrazano Bridge came about, I don't know how many years ago, long time ago, but before the bridge was, it was more rural, Staten Island. And he built a little hospital called the Sunnyside Hospital, and it had 21 beds. 
And he built it for one reason, because he noticed that people weren't getting proper hospital care, obviously. So he figured, I'll start a hospital and they'll get it. And I'll absorb the cost. And people, wow. it was a good hospital. So some people, the, the people that have money and had proper insurance, it, it, ca- it covered the bills, but he absorbed what he had to absorb. So, and it lasted for like 22 years. And then, wow. yeah, but then the bridge got built and the city came in and said, hey, your hospital's in the way of where we're going to put the highway. Oh, wow, <laughs> so we got to get rid of this hospital. So they got rid of the hospital and uh, I, I, I assume they paid them for it. I don't know. But... Uh, who knows in those days uh, <laughs> what what they had to do or could do or whatever, the city and such. But they got rid of it. And then he went and he built another hospital. Wow. This time with 60 doctors, though, not by himself. This was doctor's hospital. And that lasted 35 years. It's a school now. And part of the school, one of the good politicians, and I say that, I qualify that. There's not a lot of good ones in my mind anyway, my estimation. But one of the good ones actually remembered what he did and they named part of the school the Atlas Academy, which was nice. Uh-huh. So, yeah, I mean, it makes us feel good. And it was, um, like I said, he he was, you know, he walked to the beat of a different drummer. He, he really believed that his job was just to take care of people that were sick, period. It, it didn't come down to whether they could afford to pay for that care, just give them the care. Oh, and he was a real doctor. Yeah, he was a doctor. Not like these doctors. No. That. You mean a real doctor that isn't paid off? He he <laughs> would show up for house calls. Patients, after he died, would tell me, say, Teddy, your father, we, we had sick kids and we didn't have much money and we were living in a flat and um flat apartment, cold flat apartment. And we, uh, we had called up the engine service. My father would make the answering service, there was no, you know, beepers and he would make the answering service call him, actually call him and say, does the patient call? And so he he actually called us back and said, I'll get there. I'm, I'm, I gotta, I'm running around doing, but I'll get there. Just, just leave the door open. He said, at midnight, midnight, he said, your father walked in the door. And he took care. We had a sick kid there, and he took care of him. All the man. He said, "I never forgot that." And there was another story I remember, where similar, where people down on their luck, they just didn't have much, and they had like six kids, and one of them had rheumatic fever. I believe that's what it was. Whatever it was, and uh, he came over, took care of the kid, um, and then they made all the kids sit in the hallway lined up because there was no room. There was, they were in one room. So they, they made them all sit outside and all, and they were all sitting there. And he said, we didn't have money to give your father when he came. And he said, don't even think about it. He said, just make me a cup of tea. And I never really got it, but I finally I figured it out a little bit. Obviously, you get older, sometimes you don't get dumber. Sometimes you actually get a little tiny bit smaller. <laughs> <laughs> so at least you try. But I actually figured out why he did that. And he did it quite often. He liked it, yeah. <laughs> and it kept him awake a little bit, yeah, um, because he was always going, going, going. But the real reason was so the people wouldn't feel they were getting charity. They wouldn't feel like they weren't giving something back. They wouldn't lose their dignity. Oh, so like they would give the tea as as if yeah, yeah, like, like they didn't tea. have the money. Well, he had a sweet something. tooth, so he loved 
cheesecake, oh, a awesome. uh, piece of cheesecake. That's really cool. <laughs> and I figured out afterwards that what that's what it was to just because what good are you doing if you're making the people do good and you make the people feel bad? That kind of like uh, contradicts <laughs> itself. Yeah, right? it kind of takes away. Yeah. But he knew that you know these were prideful people. That's and, really thoughtful when you yeah. think about that. So to, to ask somebody, you know, hey, can you give me some cake or coffee, just so that that person feels like, hey, look, I'm giving too. You know? Yeah, and that's really. And he uh, said he always, and he told his kids, "This is what really got me." A good man, obviously. Um, he told each one of the kids when my father passed by, as he walked out. One of the kids noticed that he had pajamas <laughs> underneath his pants, and. He asked his father afterwards, why did the doctor have pajamas hanging out from his pants? That was my father. <laughs> I know it's crazy. I know it's, you know, it's eccentric and all that sounding at least. But there was a purpose to it because he got up in the middle of the night and came. <laughs> and he just drew the pants. And, and, and he might keep going. He might, he might keep going for a while. Who knows what, what else he had. But so he just drew the pants on and got out. And yeah, he Sometimes not a lot, but sometimes people would notice Dr. Atlas had pajamas underneath his uh, pants. So he asked the father, and and the father had to explain it, and the father explained it the best he could, and then he told all the kids. He made them all gather, and he said, "Remember this day. Remember that this doctor came here to help us, and we didn't have anything. We just, you know, we we needed help, and he came. Remember it." Remember it as you get older. And, um, you know, so the father was sending a lesson to his kids. To pass it on. Yeah, pass it on. Yeah. Like, and, and I always think, like, doing decent work like that, it, it's it's not just you get something out of it that whatever you get out of it yourself and obviously what it serves, which is the main thing. But you're teaching in your own way. You know, not, not in any way to sound condescending. I've, I would never try to do that. I'm not good enough to do that. But just, it is a teaching moment. That you're teaching kids kind of like how to live. You know, it's a good way to live. And I just thought that also staying with that theme, that if I started this foundation, would kind of tell people that if you live a decent life, you remembered. And and that's kind of a cool thing. So anyway, we for all the things he did, you know, I just thought again. I'm sorry, I'm repeating myself, but yeah. that it, it was worth. He was worthwhile. Worth what he did was worth remembering, and trying to do along those lines. So we, if a family needs a wheelchair, we get them a wheelchair. Most of this we don't pay for. They're not a bad family. I'm not knocking them, but their money goes to other things. People don't realize it goes to research, 6%, 5%. They make a lot of money, but it goes to research and it goes to administration costs. We don't have a minute. We have one paid employee. You mean, you mean uh, private jets? Well, no, I don't know. <laughs> I, I would never say that. But, I'll say it. <laughs> but, and research is important, but in my people, the people we're dealing with, research hasn't touched their life yet. What touched their life is quality of life stuff, that they need a wheelchair. It's that simple. They need a, they got a 12-year-old kid who can't walk. He's got muscular. They need a wheelchair. Uh, they don't need to be told. I mean, it's nice to hear that. Hey, we're we're getting closer to you know in the laboratories to do. Okay, okay, great. Can, but right now we can, need a wheelchair. Can I get a wheelchair? <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I need a handicap ramp. So we we do that, and those things aren't covered. 
you know, believe it or not, by insurance. So if, they're if not, you're paralyzed and you need a wheelchair. They don't consider it what? a medical uh, thing. What? Like the medicine is that, but those things like wheelchair ramps, they're not considered that. And again, some of these, like whether it's March of Dimes, whether it, and I'm not knocking them. They're great organizations, but... If you check into them, 4%, 3%, 5%, 6 whatever, goes to research. And the rest, administrative, miscellaneous, whatever it is. But I can say that other than one paid, and she's underpaid, one paid employee, <laughs> <She's> underpaid. <laughs> every, everything goes to the cases. Everything. Yeah. It goes out. I, I buy my own table to the dinner every year that we have a big foundation dinner you know or golf outing i i don't play golf but i buy a foursome you know and i drive around the cart like an idiot uh, <laughs> you know there's petty in the cart basically where is know, he i can't play but i drive around the cart you know hey thank you for coming and but what we do is we take care of people that fall through the cracks um the things i just said a family might have a kid who got surgery and the surgery could cost, and I'm going to arbitrary number, but it could cost $300,000. Insurance covered it. But guess what they don't cover? The cancer medication after the insurance, if it was cancer, that they need to take, that's 1200 a month. And this is a mom living in a project. She can't pay 1200 a month for that. So we'll step in, we'll pay for it. In those kind of cases. Sometimes we even pay for small surgeries, like, I shouldn't say everything is big, but fifteen, twenty thousand. Like if if it has to be done, and they can't. Why now? People say, Teddy, why would you have to? Well, sometimes it's a specialized surgery, and certain doctors in those fields, well, they don't take any insurance. They just don't. And so either you got the money or you don't. So if they need a specialized surgery and they can't get it anywhere else, then we'll be the last stop. And we'll, we'll try to get that done, and we do get it done. And even chemotherapy, every once in a while you hear like someone will come to a parent or come to us and say, this particular drug is not covered by our insurance on the chemo. Okay, let's see, we'll, and that's what we'll, we take care of. We're, sometimes a family needs to be flown out of state to find the treatment. We're in New York, you think everything's there. But sometimes there's a better you know, medical setup for that kid for that particular case somewhere else. And if it's the case, they got to go somewhere else, we'll fly them, you know, and put them in a hotel. And uh, hopefully that the family will find out they're eligible for that program. And, you know, we at least, we were bridge through a gap. We're nothing special. We're no better, no worse than anyone else out there. But we do this to remember this guy and... We do it in the way he did it, direct. The thing that I said from the beginning when we do it is the same thing. We're not going to ask for a cup of tea, but we're not going to make you go through too much jumping through hoops in the rigmarole of a stack this big of forms. You, we we legitimize it quick because it, it usually is quick. Legitimate, bang, make a call to the doctor, whatever it is, boom, it, next day, here it is. And because, again, just because I didn't think of it, but my father taught me that, um, that you don't make people lose more than they lost already. They already lost something. They're coming to you. They don't want to come to you. They really don't. (laughs) They'd rather go somewhere else. They'd do something else, be in the park, whatever, be at a ball game. But if they come to you, don't make them lose their dignity. It's already tough. 
So we do that kind of stuff, and we also do social programs. We'll go into these at-risk schools. There's a lot of problems out there. I'm not telling you nothing you don't know. And and listen, I'm not afraid to say what it is. Uh, you know, I, I didn't... I wasn't born with this nose, you know? <laughs> okay? <laughs> I, 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 didn't, I didn't move my head enough sometimes. <laughs> and so I'm not afraid. If I think I'm right, I'm going to freaking say it. As, people, as you should, right? People don't like it. Hey. But as a yeah, human, that's how it should be. I think so. So we go and we go, we go into these average schools. Families making less than 35. And in our area is called Title I schools. The way that they... The way that they figure that out is that falls into a category by families making less than 35000 a year. Poverty. Problems. But here's the biggest thing, and the elephant in the room sometimes. And again, I, I'm there, so I'm going to say it. No fathers. That's, I say it again. You didn't hear me? No fathers. I say it all the time. Okay? Yeah. That, that's the problem. You, you want the problem in this country? You want to solve it overnight? Okay. Whether it's a father, whether it's a mother, whether it's a grandmother, anyone could be a father. I'm, I'm talking. It could be your neighbor. I don't care who it is, but no father. You get what I'm saying. No father. Nobody leading. Nobody saying, "Hey, you can't do alpha. that." Alpha. You need the alpha. Y- yeah. Nobody life. say you can't do that. Hey, son, you did wrong. But you know what? Uh, straighten out. Next week we're going to a Yankee game. Whatever. But you know, showing that they care, giving direction, give, giving lessons, just just guidance, and that's the problem in this country right now. That you look at it, it, it it's it, if there's nobody at home, whether it's that great grandmother, whether it's the mother who's battling all by herself, whoever it is, the aunt, whoever. But if that's not there, we got problems, yeah. and that's where the problems are. And that's it. I'm sorry. And so I go into the schools and I tell them, say, okay, here we are. Get right to the point because these kids, it's tough. These kids, they can't read. It's unbelievable. But they're involved. They see violence every day, and they're they're angry. They don't even they're just angry. Like you, you I don't even know if you, they could explain their anger except it's there. And going, so I get right to the point. I understand what I'm dealing with. I get right to the point. I say, listen, you do something for me. I do something for you. Bang, because they understand that. Because that's what it is. That's what it is in the street. Yeah, you ain't getting nothing free. So they're, they're right away, they're a little attentive. Okay, maybe this guy going to say something other than the typical BS. You know, that we hear, you know, and I'm falling asleep. You know, and they're falling asleep as the guy. So I say, you start taking, and I don't, I, I know this is going to, again, it's going to sound whatever. I don't care. I, I know in my heart what it is and where it's going. I don't care if they get A's or B's. I care about them caring. Find a way to get them to care about what? About themselves. That's the problem. People say, oh, they don't care about you. They go in there, punch someone in the face because they don't care about other people. No, 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 no. They don't care about themselves. So there's no reason to care how they act with someone else. Do you get it? You know, I have a friend that he's a guy that he didn't go to school. He grew up on the street, but he's one of the smartest guys I ever met. And he always says to me, you know, in that street sort of way, he says, hey, pal. It's not complicated. People make it complicated. <laughs> it's, it's not complicated. People make it complicated. Hey, pal, it's not complicated. That's what it is. Get people, get the person to care about themselves, they care about others, and they care about society. And so we go in and say, okay, you start taking ownership today over your behavior. Start caring about who you are. 
how you act, how you walk down the hall, what you look like, how you talk to people, what you do, what you don't do. Start making choices of that. Yeah, we know you have problems. I'm not disputing. Everyone's got problems. But you got one thing. You got a power. And I'm going to tell you what that power is. The power to make a choice of how you're going to behave today. This episode is brought to you by Let's Get Checked. Are you the man your father was? Recent studies have shown that men's testosterone levels have dropped substantially since the 1980s at about an average of 1% per year. Think about how old your father was when he was born. For example, if he was 30, your testosterone levels could be 30% lower than his. Low testosterone levels can have all type of health effects on men. It can affect your mood, sex drive, memory, muscle mass loss, you name it. And yes, low testosterone is more common the older you get, but it can affect men at any age. So let's talk about today's sponsor, Let's Get Checked. You can order a testing kit that will be delivered to you in a discreet packaging with next day delivery. Once your sample arrives in the laboratory, confidential results will be available from your secure online account within two to five days. So, if you want to test your hormone levels without having to leave your home, visit trylgc.com backslash mscsmedia and get 25% off your test using the code mscsmedia. The link is in the description at the top. This episode is brought to you by Fiji. More than just water. This is not just rock. It's ancient volcanic rock that filters tropical rain, giving it double the electrolytes and its signature soft, smooth taste. It's not just water. It's Fiji water. That's yours. Nobody can take that away. I don't care the poverty level. I don't care no father. No, Nobody can take that. You have the ability to make a choice now, every freaking day, as long as you're bringing air into your lungs of how you're going to act, what you're going to do, what you're not going to do. It's your choice. It's no one else's. You can blame everything. I can't stop that, but it's your choice. I'm asking you, I'm, I'm putting it out there as an offer. You start making better choices of who you are, how you act, how you behave. Your teachers will look at you over the next marking period and they'll put you on a list. And I'm coming back, I'm dropping off 200 tickets to a Yankee game, to a Mets game, to a Knicks game, to a Nets game, whatever the season is, and going to supply the buses, you're going to a game. Bang. I'm out of here. I bet you they listened. (laughs) You know what? A lot of them do. Yeah. A lot of them do. Just for that reason. It doesn't matter, though, as long as you get them to listen, right? And if you get them in that routine, if you get them in that regimen. Yeah. I mean, and then they start liking it. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember a commercial years ago with the cereal, and they said, oh, you read it. I don't like that. You read it. Well, give it to Mikey. See if Mike. And, and hey, Mikey likes it. <laughs> Mike, <laughs> hey, that must be okay. Mikey likes it. You know. They now might, Joey likes it. Now yeah, Jimmy likes yeah, it. Yeah, they yeah. might start liking it, and it might just start to catch on. And that's what we need. You know, you you got all this bullying shit. You got the trophy shit with everybody. So how when when you have it set up like that, where everybody's getting a trophy for everything, so everybody feels comfortable. When if you discipline your child or you say something to somebody, if you say, hey, man, you know, you're getting fat. Why don't you get on the treadmill? Maybe that's a compliment in a way like, hey, you're my buddy. I don't want you to have a heart attack. How about use the word? Maybe that's called uh, it's a four letter word, but it's a right one. Care, 
care. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah. it's showing a little care. care. Like, get yeah. on the treadmill so you don't Maybe die. Maybe when you don't say that, you're not showing care. How about we flip it around in this country there right now? Go. We flip it around. You people out there that say, no, you can't say that. You're insulting. You're hurting someone. You're not being sensitive to where they come from, to this, to that. Maybe you're the ones who don't care. Maybe we're the ones that care by saying it. Exactly, because we wouldn't be saying it if we didn't care, am yeah. I right or wrong? Yeah. Well, Even we, if you hate the fucking guy, it doesn't matter. You, if you say something to him, you care. We got other things we could be doing. I mean, could even go get a latte. <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, I mean, there's more important things than getting a latte. But, still, but, but we could be, there's a lot of things we could be, yeah. <laughs> we could be doing, right? That, you know, go to the gym, do this, do that, go to work. Go to, but we don't have to be taking the time to say, hey, buddy. You gotta take care of yourself. Yeah. You know it's it's not good. You you might get away with it now, but when you get older, high blood pressure, you know, cholesterol, uh, diabetes, God forbid. But those things do kind of have a way of following uh, this kind of stuff. So it, you know, you know, you, you bring up the dad point, and I totally one hundred percent agree with you. I coach youth sports, but um, I see a lot of kids coming in football, and they don't have dads, and. You know, one story I remember a couple of years ago, a kid came and um, very, he was a good football player. Very violent, but in a way where it wasn't good. He would go off sides. He would be ripping guys down by the face mask. So he's trying to corral this energy and take it and be like, don't do that, but do this with it. And I'll never forget, his dad was supposed to come to our game. His dad was in jail. His dad was just getting out of jail. He's so excited. You could see this glow in this kid. How old? I'm just... uh, 12 years old. Oh, wow. You could see this glow in this kid. And he's waiting, looking for his dad, looking for his dad, looking for his dad. His dad never came. And just the... Like, just soaked out of him. And just being a coach, you know, just getting into their heads that they matter, that, you know, giving them structure. Because I think any kid longs for structure. They do. They want structure in their lives. And if you can give them that structure, I mean, it's... But you're right. I, the dad thing, when he said that, I say that all the time. I said, the problem we have is you need a... In a family, in my opinion, you need a, an alpha. You need the male. It's great. Mom does her thing. Mom's there to hug and kiss and do all that type of stuff. But you need a dad to say, you know what? You fucked up. You did something wrong. And, and maybe get your ass beat once or twice. And it comes back to that same thing. You're so right. But it comes back to somebody caring. Like, like the, the, these kids, they're in, they have, it, whatever they don't have in an academic intelligence, yeah. they, they have in an innate intelligence. They, they, they sense it. They get it. They know, they know the BS. They have, I always say, these guys have like BS barometers Mm -hmm. (laughs) they they really do they know and and they know when somebody cares and that just might ignite you know you need a little spark to start a flame that might be just the spark you need to get them to say hey maybe i should care i mean really that uh, all you need is a spark sometimes you know i i I don't want to get out there and uh, you know talk about all these old cliches and 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 get too dramatic with that stuff but there's truth to it I think, I think the old cliches need to come back. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, what do you think about the social media, Teddy? All this technology. I mean, that's that's taking people out of the gym. That's taking people away from working. And and now when you're handing out checks and everything, you know. So when you go and and you talk to these kids, you know, knowing that you know they're addicted, they can't wait to pick up this thing. You know, how how do you get them 
away from that and be like, you know, why don't you take a little bit of time? That phone ain't going to do much for you in 10 years from now. You know, you're still going to be sitting on the couch in that same phone, and hopefully you got a place to live. You know, how do you handle that? All all these things, I think, are handleable in the same lane, in the same way, as just buying their trust. I mean, without that, none of these things, they're, they're just not going to listen to anything until you buy into their trust a little bit. And that starts with showing them that you're actually legitimately here for a legitimate reason, that you like to see them do better. Yeah. You, you, you have some concern about people in general and about them in particular right now. And once you, I really think that's where it starts because once you get that entry point of trust, then then you can go to these places. But you can't just go to these places because then it's just somebody else just, you know, saying stuff. It's the next guy saying the same It's just noise. That, right. That's I hate to the, say that, but it's just, yeah. it's noise. It's yeah. noise. And they block out noise. That's why they wear these things, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the beats, right? Yeah, they, beats they, are they, AirPods with noise <laughs> cancellation. So yeah, yeah. You think they're there, but they're yeah. not there. No, no, they're not there. <laughs> they're not there. We got to get them to be there. And the only way you're going to get them to be there, and, I, and that's a great point you brought up, and I'm glad you did, is is to is to start in the, in, in that area, not not in particularly and specifically with hey you shouldn't be on a phone you shouldn't be wasting your time you know on these games and on yeah. this and on yeah so, you know you say that you you lost them right well, then and there uh, you're not getting yeah. them anyway it's done yeah this boom <laughs> <laughs> yeah the, you know they're in they're looking for them <laughs> exactly yeah. you, it's got to be you got to show that you care first that, that's I think that's. Where it starts, you know, yeah. that's the that's the booster shot, you know. The other thing too is like you look at schools and you you brought up schools, you know, and I'm this is not not a knock to teachers in one bit, but you have some teachers out there that just give up on kids, and you have to find every kid learns differently or does stuff differently, and just because that kid doesn't want to learn the way that you teach or, or things that you gotta. I mean, it's hard. It's listen. They don't get paid enough sometimes. These teachers, but you got to find a way for some of these kids. Cause they just get lost. They just get, and then they give up. They're done. You know, it's just. I think even with a good coach, a good coach, a good a good teacher finds a way with that project child, if you want to call it that, that they find a way to make it work. If you want to, if you want to be a lion tamer, I know, I know I'm crazy, but if you want to be a lion tamer, right? You go in there, you know, and hopefully it's a little domesticated, the lion, right? But <laughs> <laughs> I hope so, right? man. But you go in there with a chair, right? No, a chair? Well, a chair and a whip. No, that's what I used to remember seeing the lion tamers. They they had the chair. They had the, you know, they yeah, in other words, they had tools. They had protect, They had something to help them get the job done, right? I'm not equating kids into lions, but it's tough out there for the teachers nowadays. What I am equating and what I am saying directly using that analogy to get there is that we've taken away the tools from the teachers to get their job done. I think it starts there, just like it starts with care. How do you do this? Great question. You got to show you care. Well, how do you get the teachers to, you know, be more involved and, you know, be more committed in the ways that a teacher automatically used to be committed in the way that you just said that just ain't waiting for three o'clock or two thirty or whatever time it is nowadays for the bell to ring so they could get the heck out of there. 
You have to give them back the abilities to be a teacher. We took those abilities away from them. I really think that's the answer. Or that's where it starts. We took those, I mean, who would want to be a teacher? Who would want to be a policeman today? I mean, we're, we're talking straight stuff here. I mean, you got to go all the way with it. I mean, really, um, and, and important stuff, strong stuff. But who wants to be those jobs when you've taken those people's abilities to be that away? I mean, listen, I know that there's some idiot cops out there. But there's so many good ones. Yeah. And without them, we got a freaking problem. And I think we're seeing that. We got a problem. Yeah, do you do you got to make sure you got the good ones and do whatever you got to do? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm never going to dispute that. 100%. Same thing with teachers. Not everybody should be a teacher. Yeah. <laughs> not, not, not everyone. You know, some people, it's like they, they, they can't take it. They, they can't handle that. Did you see the one teacher last week? Or, or did you see that? So I forget what state it was, but a teacher, a male teacher came in with like rubber boobs out to here, like tied around boobs out to here. And this was an English teacher. And we're, we're like terrible. And we used to be like number one in reading. I think we're 16, 17, 18. I mean, look, again, but there, like there said, has to be some parameters. So there has to be some yeah. parameters to anything you do. Something that someone's got to be able to say that's not exactly right. Yeah, so, someone's got to be allowed. It's like we took away. It's like we made everything okay. Everything's not okay. I got news for you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, and I'm not taking away your ability. You know, to have a vision, your ability to be creative, your ability to be different. I'm not doing that. I'm not trying to do that. My, your ability for, or, or for me to say, I don't understand where you come from. Okay. But there are certain things that there are guardrails up on a road for a reason. Because if you go off the road, you might crash into something. The guardrails are there for a reason. And there's got to... There used to be guardrails in our society for a reason, for a reason. Again, I'm not saying that you can expand the road a little bit as we move down the road, if you will, <laughs> right? Yeah. I'm, I'm not saying that right. you can't widen it and make it four lanes instead of two lanes. All right, but there's still got to be guardrails. There's still got to be ability to say, nah, that's not exactly good. Right, like do whatever you want, but there's certain things that if you choose to do A, B, or C, it doesn't this fit doesn't into this. Fit. Right, it doesn't fit. It's into okay if you, you want to do that, well, but it doesn't. Yeah, fit in. you want to go do that and do it on wherever, somewhere, you know, hanging out, whatever, wherever it is, sure. with your group, with your fine. Nobody's stopping you, but to go into a classroom where it's going to influence what your job is. What you're trying, it's not about, here's the thing, I think that I just realized. It's not about you, it's about them. It, it, that's what we forget sometimes. That's what I, it, right. it, it, it's not about, in other words, that person you just described, obviously it was about her, right? Uh, that person. But it's supposed to be about the kids. It's supposed to be about the job. It's a, supposed to be about what these kids are going to take from that. And, and what you're supposed to give them. You're supposed to give them education, whatever that particular field is. So it's like we start to lose track of, you know, it's not always about us. Like it, it, it can be about us, like you just said. If if you're at home in your own environment and you, whatever you're doing with your circle of friends, with your social, uh, you know, situation, that that's you. But if you have a job, 
There are certain parameters to that job. There are certain qualifications to that job. There are certain responsibilities. And at the end of the day, there's certain, you're trying to get certain results. And I don't know that that helps you get the results to better somebody in an educational way that you are within a school system, you know, uh, academics, you know, academic system. So uh, I I think we just got a little crazy. I think, I think when, when you say everything's okay, I know I'm being too simple right now, but when you say everything's okay, everything's not okay. I mean, you want to live in a flop house? No, I mean, a a flop house, a flop house is, is basically your flop. You come in, you flop. Okay. You tie it and fall down. I've done it. You know, your house, your house to yeah, house. Yeah, yeah. And you flop. But if, if you're going to start flopping and saying, okay, it's okay to go to the bathroom right there mm-hmm. instead of finding a proper facility, go, that's not okay. Oh, but but you got to allow it because you got to understand. Understand what? Understand where they came from, that, you know, uh, a toilet wasn't always available. Re- really, that, it gets that. Because people defend everything. Okay, but there is a toilet available, actually. And um, so let's, let's not start to say everything's okay. Let's not say it's okay to defecate there. It's okay to urinate there. No, it's it's not. Well, you need, a, you need, I always say you need consequences for actions too. You know, a kid puts his, I always use this when we do it. Yeah. A kid puts his hand on a hot stove. He burns his hand. In his head, he sees the stove again. He's like, hmm, I'm probably not going to put my hand there again because I may get burned again. But if you have no consequences for actions and things that are going on, why would people stop doing stuff that's going on where they're stealing stuff and they're not getting, you know, some time or something, not even, you know, just consequences for their actions. If there's no consequences, it's just a... 100%. And I wouldn't even go as deep as consequences. And you're you're 100% right. But I would just say direction. I would just say rules. I would just say mm-hmm. attitude. I would just say uh, permissible, that those things shouldn't be, it shouldn't be put out there where people even think it's permissible. That's what I would say. Before you even get to the consequences where, you know, I, I remember when I was a kid and they had me in some school because I wasn't great. And and, and <laughs> they these, these, I won't even get into it, but people that were running the school would put your hand there and crack me with a ruler. Now, that wasn't good. <laughs> that wasn't good. But I, show, I do remember. Well, I bet you didn't do that, well, I didn't again. do that again. Uh, and not, the there. Point. not there. I, I, not there. <laughs> no, not there. I'll be honest. But um, I'm not saying that we got to take the rulers out and start cracking knuggles again. I don't but, know, man. I think we might need to right but, now to shape things well, back things, up. Well, things have gotten out of control. But what I am saying, yeah. to your point, is that before you even get to the consequence point where you start to who figures out what the consequences should be, this should be that, this should, just stop making it okay. Mm-hmm. Stop, just stop the the air, the, the what you're putting out in the air to that it's okay, that everything's okay that there is no responsibility in your conduct in this world. There is. There is no connection to right and wrong. There is. There is. We shouldn't forget that. 
And again, I'm not taking away anybody's ability to to have a vision and to do things differently, their own way, to seek their own way. I'm not taking that away at all. I want that. But there has to be some kind of guardrails. Guard I, I like how you said that, guardrails. No. You, you, people can be whatever they want to be, but you got to have those guardrails. Otherwise, it just goes off the off the lane. You're off. You fall, you're driving off the bridge. I think I think uh, we've driven off the bridge. I think we have too. I hate to say it. And now, if we want to donate and help out, we go up to donations, <clears throat> click there, and we'll have this. Thank um, you for doing it. Oh, sure, absolutely. We'll have this in uh, uh, description, and uh, you know why your tra- contribution matters. The programs, uh, Teddy. I know you guys do scholarships too. I've seen some yeah, of we that. We do. We do scholarships. Yeah, look at all the stuff there. Uh, you know, so. You know, if if you heard what Teddy just said, I mean, if you want the country better, you know, every dollar counts, right, Teddy? It sure does. Uh, I tell you, I'll go even further. Every quarter counts. It does. I mean, really, because there's so many people that could give a quarter. Yeah. Or, you know, whatever it is. But it it adds up. Again, I'm being cliche-ish, but it's it's not meant to be. It's just the truth. Um, You know, and, and it it gets us to where we want to get. It gets the job done, uh, where we can help more people. I mean, we're right now. Yeah, those I mean, are dinners, huh? Yeah, Teddy dinner. Yeah, Phew. We've been fortunate because we've been good blessed with good people that believe in what we do. They thank you. They see what we do. They see where the money goes. They feel it. They're in the room. They hear the testimonials, and so these people, these celebrities, um. They come out and they help us raise money because they believe in it. And I appreciate the hell out of everybody that does that. Um, and we're blessed that we get that to, that help. Um, right now, we, we just finished investing a few months ago in a mobile unit, a mobile van. I'd like to buy one, but it's outside our area right now. Budget. I don't have a budget, but if I did, it's probably outside it. We just do what we got to do and, until we run into a wall. <laughs> and, <laughs> so that's kind of the bug. People say, Teddy, what's your budget? I say, well, when when I um, when someone tells me no, when when I or when I when when the bank tells me you got no more money in there, I that's my budget. Like, <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah so yeah. we we had a mobile unit that we had a grant and we put towards it and we went into the neighborhoods. Neighborhoods are having a lot of problems, and it's a mental health mobile unit. And they went in there for kids that are suicidal, um, just just all this stuff. So a lot of stuff related to COVID. I got news for you: COVID's terrible, and it was terrible what happened and everything else. But my people, the people were home, they were having problems before COVID. See, here's a little news item for you out there, people. Okay, COVID didn't cause everything. The the people I'm dealing with, our people um, that we love. They were trying to help. They were having problems way before COVID, and after COVID, they continue because it is what it is. And so we we go into these neighborhoods, and it got exasperated. There's no doubt about it. it. Got worse, but and so whether it's suicidal, whether it's whether it's depression, which is linked to that, obviously, um, whether it's drug addiction, uh, whether it's whatever the problems, myriad of things. We go in there with the mobile unit and 
with the mobile unit, we have a psychiatrist, uh, psychologist, counselors, and they talk to the people. And we give out stress items for, to help with relieve stress, you know, whatever. And um, so we, uh, I, I, could, I could probably, wouldn't have to worry about the budget half of the stress item I could just take from my grandchildren and, and, <laughs> and, and, and because they're the little things that they're squeezing and all yeah. that that's part of what we're buying I say let me just get some of those that not use them no more that that would obviously alleviate some of our pressure a little bit but in all seriousness uh we we went into the neighborhoods and the people were they they reacted in a unbelievable way and they want us to continue to come there if we can so i i want to be able to get to a point where we can do it instead of in spots it was only spot i'm not gonna tell a tale and say oh we're there no we were only there for a couple months is it enough no it's not enough but it was enough to find out what more had to be done maybe that was it maybe that was the biggest part of it and so now we've kind of adopted a school i'm not going to name the school but it's rated as the worst school in New York City. And violence. A lot of the kids aren't reading, right? The, the whole, the whole, the whole list. Nine. The whole nine. But violence. But this is all I got to tell you when I'm describing this school. And I wish I didn't have to tell this story. We, we go in there. We have a mentoring program. And we've been going in there now for a while. And we mentor these kids and bring in the people I just described, the counselor, the, you know. But it costs money. And three of the kids that we're mentoring, the young kids, of course, um, they've seen their mother killed by their father. Mm. Okay, that's, I don't think I have to go any further to explain what we're dealing with here. Yeah. And so we're, we're, in, we're in difficult, treacherous waters. Yeah, I'm not afraid to use that word, treacherous waters, because if, if we don't do it right, it, it, it can... I mean, where are these kids going? I mean, really, I don't have to draw the picture. I think people can figure it out, connect the dots. Picture's already drawn, Yeah, right? wh where are they going? So it's really kind of, you know, it, it's it's that important and scary. And so we, um, we're we doing that. So we got to keep doing more because we got to pick up other schools. That ain't the only school that... Uh, see, here's the thing that really got me that educated me a little bit uh, we're going we'll help say i just use an arbitrary number say we'll help a uh, couple hundred kids right two three hundred kids there and we say oh man we did a you know we we did a good thing we did this we did that or it could be even less and all of a sudden when you leave there if you're being honest with yourself and you have half a brain in your head you start to say wait a minute for every 200 of them there's another 2,000, 20,000. <laughs> then it gets scary. Wow, we can't fool ourselves to thinking that this is the the whole Shabang. yeah problem here. This is the tip of the iceberg. It's just telling us that this problem exists, and it exists in a large way in our society, larger than most people will ever want to know. Want to know. Because who would want to know that? I mean, really, you, you know... You'd rather put something else on your TV. You get tired of even listening to the news. Yeah, you just change it because you've had enough. Yeah, you change yeah. the channel. Just like this. And so w there's 
it's tough out there. So, but it's a great thing that that you're doing it. You have a voice. You're recognizable. It was doing a know. small bit, but it, it's you know how it is. Small small snaps at a time, and then maybe somebody else sees you doing it, and then they do it in California. You know, I mean, it yeah. could just and they love people doing it. It could just and we're blow not up the only all ones over. doing it. You know, there's a lot of good people out there doing if it. If a lot of this kind of stuff happens like this, this is how this is the only way I could see things changing. The only. The only way. I mean, that and making it illegal, and it, you know, I'm, I'm tongue in cheek here. You know, I get that Irish sense of humor. I have Irish from a uh, dark sense of humor, whatever. Um, but my mother said, never, don't lose it, otherwise you'll be crying all the time. <laughs> and so uh, that'll just make it illegal to have politicians. <laughs> yeah. because, no, because yeah. maybe we could figure out better if if it wasn't like so-called politician. There's good ones. Don't get me wrong, but. How about just get more leaders? Don't even use that word. More. How about just get more, you know, people that have common sense and... <laughs> right, I know. And, I, know and, I agree with you. And I mean. just say, hey, you know... Well, what are you doing? Let's roll my sleeves <laughs> up here. Here's the problem. Let's look at it. And that's not, that's not be... That's not being controlled by politics. That's not being controlled by anything other than what the problem tells us we got to do. You know the one, How's that? The, the, the one I love is how how to keep kids out of trouble, right? How do they how do you keep them out of trouble? Well, when you take away after school care programs that where they went to to play basketball, to you know play chess, to do whatever it was, when you take that away, you can find a good way to get a kid in trouble because he has no he has nothing else to do. So he's gonna find trouble, and you gotta. They, they take the they take the programs away, and you're like, "What are we doing?" And then they take that money, and you'll find out. Oh, they used it for a, an improvement to this area where no one goes to, or, or a, a solar panel. Yeah, a solar panel project that no one. That takes using. thirty years to pay back. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you I gotta a look at the money sometimes well. along that path. Uh, you know, we we do need money from politicians funding and we got a couple that give us you know not enough but some good ones and we're blessed and very grateful but i remember i i don't know how to even go on the internet I've, i don't think i've ever been on i don't know if i well i see it sometimes but you know it, it's it's basically a rumor to me that there's a thing called the internet. <laughs> i am a caveman i i mean i had a flip phone into a couple of years ago and i got like forced to get one of these good phones smartphones whatever they are i i, I had forced because i was going with the espn to australia to do a pacquiao fight and um i i actually uh went into a store like an idiot and uh, you know, one of these AT&T, whatever those stores are. And I went in there and said, hey, buddy, young kid. I said, fix this thing. Fix this so I can go to Australia. I really thought that he could fix it, like he could put a thing in. You know, everyone, chips do everything, right? Everything, there's a chip for everything. So I figured he put it in, I'm good. So he, he it turned <laughs> out he was a little young, wise guy, but but a good kid, but a boxing fan. And um, he goes, Teddy, you know, he goes, uh, I might be able, I might be able to do Yonkers, but not Australia. I said, "Oh, you're a wise guy, huh?" He goes, "No, no, Teddy, I'm I'm just kidding." He goes, "There is nothing. You got to get one of these, eight hundred dollars. It's yours, you know, and 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 that's the only thing that's gonna work." And I got it. And and I was afraid I wouldn't learn, but people helped me. And I am a caveman, and I resist that kind of technology. Um, but you know, uh, it, it's obviously. 
you have no, you know, you have no choice. Yeah, you got, you have no choice. Yeah, especially if you have any type of business, you, you have to. You know. Yeah, and I'm. There was a something I was going to take that to, but I'm sure it'll come to me. That's that's part of. Uh, what's that? The the senior moment. Yeah, uh, that that's what. That's the nice way of calling it. <laughs> when you lose the marbles, are you to say that? is that the nice way? I don't of know if that. you're allowed to say that. I know you can't say blindsided now. Uh, well, I'm having a senior moment, um, and if I'm not allowed to say it, it's because I had a senior moment. <laughs> yeah. So that excuses me. <laughs> uh, you know, instead of just saying, "Yeah, I'm losing my marbles," um, that's the nicer way for me to handle it. You know what I found so interesting when I was reading about you? Your dad's a doctor, right? He's Jewish. Your mom. <laughs> Contestant for Miss Pageant. Oh, really? Yeah, Miss America, right? Oh, yeah. And guess who wins that battle? Mom's Irish Catholic. Oh, the mom. Ma- <laughs> oh, yeah. Mom, Irish Catholic. You didn't have to tell him unless you were an Irish Catholic. He's right? Irish. Yeah, we were brought up Catholic. Yeah. But, but my father, the funny thing about it, my father didn't have time for religion. His religion was what he was doing, yeah. quite frankly. I think that's a good religion. Yeah. yeah. Just living right and taking care of people, you know, doing what you can do yeah. and should do when you can do it. And um, I'm trying to live the right life. So that was his relay. He he loved the Jewish faith, and but he wasn't religious, and he didn't pretend to be. He wasn't going to synagogue. He wasn't doing any of that stuff. So he said, uh, he let my mom raise us Catholic, which, you know, because she was going to be involved with that and uh, had time for that where he didn't. He was being a doctor. So, yeah, but he... Um, he always liked the Catholic. He 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 liked it. You know he 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 said it was pretty cool. But <laughs> and and they were so different. You know <laughs> they were. So, oh my goodness! Were, but opposites do attract. attract yeah. You know it, it's it's true. Now as you're growing up, and you know like you get in a street fight, why why do you think you were a little bit rebellious early on? Well, you know again I'm careful saying this because. It's like poor him, the doctor's son. I was a doctor's son. I I see it a lot. Though. You know what I mean. But yeah, and I think if I learned anything, you don't have to be poor to be missing something. Uh, that's my logic, and it's yeah. not an excuse. But I needed. I wanted my father. I was talking about fathers pretty strongly, passionately early. I it connects to me. Even this doctor's son, you need a father, and my mother was great. But he was gone all the time. I mean, he was doing house calls. He was doing. He was in his office. He didn't have office house. Yeah, there was a thing up on the wall that said like from one o'clock to five thirty. Forget about it. Just Throw it away. It was stupid to have it up there. Might as well just take it down for twenty four seven, right? Because until the last patient left, he was there. Yeah, it was that simple. Yeah, and so there was no dinners with pop and all. And, but and no little league and all. And listen, I'm not feeling sorry. Please. Don't take it the wrong way. I, I, I'm grateful for what I have, and I was blessed. But you want your father around. And as a kid, the way I figured, the way it went into me was that the people he was around had problems. And I finally figured out when I got older. I didn't have any clue when I was young uh, to articulate it the way I can a little bit now. Still like a caveman, but a little bit. I... I wanted him around. I so I equated it and I'm going back to eight, nine, ten, you know, and then when I got old that's where it started to come together, to crystallize. But when I was eight, nine, ten, 
I went on house calls with him. I forced my way. Sometimes I had to fight with him. And I went on house calls with him. That's the only way it could be with him. And when the phone rang in the middle of the night, the answering service called him the middle of the night. The guy, and he was putting the pants over the pajamas and walking down the steps. Guess who was there? You. Yeah, I was there. I was waiting. Yeah. And, and, and he would say, get back in bed. Yeah. Get back in bed. What are you doing? I said, what are you doing? Come on, get in, get in bed. I, I'm go, I want to go with you. And finally, you know, when it was earlier, I, I got to go sometimes, a lot. And um, so, you know, for this kid, as I got older, and then I became 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, so I get to that stupid age, you know, it's not, where well, it is a little more complicated, and you do screw things up, I started to say, hey, the only people that get this guy is people that are messed up, people that are hurt, people that are fractured, people that are whatever. I'm going to get hurt. I'm going to get fractured. I'm going to get messed up, and I get them. I, I know I, did I articulate? No. Did I plan? No. Then I'd really be insane. But I, it, it happened. I figured it out. It happened. It's no excuse. I made my choice. But all of a sudden, I started going and gravitating to places where, you know, there was violence. I, I could get hurt. Yeah, where I could get hurt, hanging out with them, and they were great people. I, I loved them, and they became my friends, and they became my family, and kind of replaced maybe a little something, whatever. I get it where these kids get into the gangs. I get it. Do I agree? No, of course not. I it's bad, but I get I get the allure. I get the bait. I see what it is. They, they're they missing what I was missing, but in a worse way, with the poverty, with everything else, with the violence and all that. I didn't have all that, but it was enough for me to gravitate that way. Imagine what it is for them. For them, it's yeah. way worse. With all these yeah. things. So again, you don't have to be poor to to miss stuff, to be without stuff, and or in poverty. Poverty can be equated in a lot of ways, in a lot of ways. And so I, I started getting, unfortunately, hanging out and getting in trouble and, you know, and to get him, to get his attention. And um, I finally got it. That's understandable. You know, but it was wrong. And I finally got, Kostamata one time said to me, he was, we were talking about world champions, and this guy became a world champion in his late 30s. And I said, wow, that was late. It's a shame. He goes, shame, shame. What are you talking about, Teddy? He goes, he became a world champion. doesn't matter when it is, as long as you get there. Uh-huh. <laughs> it took me a minute, but I got there. I got to a decent place. Thank God. And um, thanks to my father, my mother, everything. And, you know, despite, despite uh, my plans. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my ill-advised stupid plans. But... Everyone has their own journey. Again, it sounds again, it's it sounds cliche, should metaphoric and all that. But it's true. Everyone's got their own journey, you know. And hopefully, it gets you to the right. But everyone does have their own journey, and sometimes you don't understand it at first. Saying, "Oh man, this is no, no, it, it, stay on it, make the right turns every once in a while, you know, and figure it out." But the it's for a purpose. It is for a purpose to get you somewhere. And to make sure you're a certain way when you get there. That's a big part of it, too. 
if you get somewhere and you you know you have no luggage to carry to for stuff what good to, are you? you you you're naked yeah you you, you got to pick up the clothing on your way you got to pick up that stuff that you're going to need when you get there <laughs> you know the the wool hat you know because it gets cold whatever so sometimes that journey makes you pick up the things you need to kind of get there and stay there well, in your journey, take me through this because I, I had to look at this twice. You got in a street fight and you had to get 400 stitches, 200 inside, 200 outside. Yeah, right here. Um, With a what? A, a switchblade or 007? Double oh, 007. Knife? Yeah. Uh, back in the day in our neighborhood, double saving became it was a cheap knife. It was a dangerous, any knife's dangerous, but it had a wooden thing to it and you could flick it. So everybody kind of. Got into where, yeah, they like could something like that. Yeah, Let's scroll down a little bit. I think there was a better one. I don't know. I was looking for a double seven knife, yeah. <laughs> like that, right? Something like that. One? Yeah, where you could flick it out. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. It wasn't a switchblade, and and you just had to do that motion with your wrist, and uh, you know. What was the fight over? <clears throat> Me and a friend, a kid that grew up in the area where I gravitated to in the projects. Um, and he had a bunch of brothers and they, they're all, they're all, they're all dead now from the streets, from, from either AIDS, drug overdose or whatever. The environment. Yeah. yeah. And, um, he was my friend and, uh, we were, we were driving in the neighborhood, in that neighborhood in Stapleton and um, tough area, all areas could be tough. And we weren't looking to avoid trouble. We had a bad attitude, I, you know, I think. And um, we're driving and all of a sudden we get cut off in that neighborhood. Oh boy. And so we cut them off. The only thing was them was five. <laughs> Problem, maybe. And, you know, if you're going to cut someone off. Numbers. You know, being maybe smart count. enough to, real quick, do a, uh, that's where being good with numbers comes in handy. <laughs> you know, five. That, not cut them off. <laughs> Bad calculation on that yeah. one, huh? So it was that night and whatever. and So w we got out to, you know, obviously, uh, not to check their insurance, <laughs> right? And uh, and then we were fighting, but they weren't fighting again. Without sounding stupid, but <laughs> we were fighting. I'm fighting, and they're fighting. Uh, I got hit with a blackjack. Um, my jaw was out there, but I had a good chin, <laughs> and and I pulled the guy in close to me to because it was got me cobwebbed, and uh, pulled him in. Was able to do what I had to do. And knew enough to get him close to me. He couldn't do anything, and but then around me, you know, was stuff happening, and um, so I was able to catch this guy something good, deal with that, and all of a sudden, um, I ain't gonna win, and uh, I probably got to two of them, two in a little bit of a way, but uh, <laughs> I remember looking. As many years as it's been now, because I was only like 17, 18, 18 whatever, 17, 18. And I, I remember looking, and I, I saw him. And we're on the street, so I know what we're dealing with. I saw him go in his pocket. That ain't good. 
And uh, so you got a choice. And I know it sounds like it's taking longer, but, but it's a split-second choice. Like, you know, either you get away or you get in close. I tried to get in close. And um, I was just a little late. And he... I, it was weird because a lot of my friends had the double seven, so it's the stupidest thing. But I'm like, that's a double seven, <laughs> and, and and like you know, and boom, Just and like that. you know, and that was it. So, and they said afterwards, another less than a quarter of an inch, it hits my juggling. You know, we're not having this conversation here today, um, but I got scarred the rest of my life, and uh, you know, I learned a lot. I mean, if you can learn from such bad things and stupid things that I put myself in. How long does that take to heal? Well, a long time. Like when you get 400 stitches. 200 inside 200. Yeah. yeah I mean, that's I, mean a lot I, mean, of I was in the hospital for like eight days, nine days. So, uh, but that's a pretty, pretty long tough. time. Yeah. And, and then you get out and it, it takes a while. You this podcast is brought to you by Monster Energy. Tear into a can of the meanest energy drink on the planet. Monster Energy. It's the ideal combo of the right ingredients in the right proportion to deliver a big bad buzz that only Monster can. Monster packs a powerful punch, has a smooth, easy drinking flavor. Athletes, musicians, co-eds, road warriors, metalheads, geeks, hipsters, and bikers dig it. You will too. Monster Energy is more than just the green OG. Monster has Monster Ultra, Juice Monster, Monster Hydro, Rehab Monster, Dragon Tea, Monster Max, Muscle Monster, and many more. Buy on Amazon, buy on Walmart, or go to monsterenergy.com and believe me, you'll find a place. Unleash the beast, Monster Energy. Can't you have a street fight for a little <laughs> four months? I was going to say, <laughs> you, you, you must have had to take some time off. You know, you got to take a little time yeah, off. Or, or you got to sit in the car on this one, yeah, or, or yeah. on the bike, or whatever. The... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, once an idiot, always an idiot, until you become not such an idiot. And finally got to that that neighborhood but um did that turn your life around then no. like I, no what was it that turned your life around where you were you had had enough and i'll tell you, you got the, into the, the ring I'll, t I'll tell you i was boxing already uh i'll tell you what that kind of led me to i i learned some things about human nature i know it's, it's a, to help me later on as a trainer believe it or not obviously i was already a fight i was boxing in a pal but um, and then I got wayward, uh, but yeah, I was straightening. I was fighting in the street. I used to go and fight guys. Like we would just go set up a, f and I'd go whatever the thing was and whatever the beef was, and meet them and fight and you know. And I was, I was had a little edge because I was a bit of a fighter, boxing, you know. So. You know, you, you're a boxer, so uh, you have an edge. You know, I mean, these guys can't fight. You, you know, they throw something like this, and you bang, you hit them with the right hand. You know, or you can even weave it, or whatever. Or, or, you know, whatever. So, and you have, and you're used to that environment of the, the, the fear and everything. You can, you can cope with it better. And, and that's a, that's obviously a plus in that area. So, but I, that guy didn't have to take the knife and cut me. He, they were winning. They were going to win. But he still did. Why? Because of fear. Because he was so scared that he didn't even think beyond it that obviously you could go to jail, kill me, which you're not even thinking. 
but that it's not necessary. Like, you didn't have to do that, but the fear overwhelms some people. And I think that's in, in out there in the world, that the fear of whatever you want to, some people don't, they're not comfortable with the word fear. So you you want to call it, you know, you're scared, you want to call it you're nervous, you want to call it anxiety, you want to, you, you know, sometimes before game, butterflies, whatever. but it's fear. I mean, all those things are cousins to one thing, fear. It's there. And, and some people learn to cope with it and control it better than others. And, and when you don't control it, it can take you to all kinds of devastating places. And it took this guy to trying to kill me. And I, as a trainer later on, I understood I could know all the X's and O's in the world. And I did. And and be a really good to uh, control range, move your head after your last punch, your inside fighting, you know, everything. Uh, you know, being able to counter punch. Uh, I could get angles. I could know all that stuff and be able to teach it to somebody. But it didn't mean diddly squat. If I didn't understand about this, about where they were, the environment, where you're afraid. So they can't do that if they're afraid. You got to get them adapted to that. You got to get them through that. You got to get them strong in that area. You got to bring them up to speed in that area. You got to make sure they're up to speed in that area before you teach how to throw a jab and cover fast and all that stuff. So it, it reminded it helped me in those kind of ways and it reminded me of how strong people can be and how weak they can be at the same time. What true strength and weakness truly was. That was truly weakness. And on the street, it's like strength. Like, ah, the guy took like somebody. Got, yeah. 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 No, no, it's, it's actually weakness. And I started to figure stuff out. And and at the end of the day, it got me, <laughs> I might as well finish the story, it got my father because I remember I'm, I'm in the in the hospital. It was the closest hospital there. It was a civil service hospital, so it wasn't a, but it, it was the closest one. And I'm in the hospital, and I I got the thing, you know, the curtain all the way around me, and I'm and I'm out of it. But I'm, but as much as I'm out of it, I'm waiting for one person to show up. I remember, I'm, and I'm just saying, like, and um, just, you know, I got stuff in me, IVs and all that. And all of a sudden, I remember the curtain moving. And all of a sudden, I can't see everything. And I feel a hand. My father had big hands. He had fighter's hands. And all of a sudden, I feel a hand, and it's feeling, it's feeling my face all of a sudden I look it's him and he just says that's my father you know right to the point he just says they did a good job you're gonna have a skull for the rest of your life and he left I was like that's what I've been waiting for <laughs> <laughs> you took 400 stitches for that <laughs> you know what I mean yeah. well, that's what I've been but he was right he got right to it. No, you know, today we talk about society being too soft, right? Yeah. Right. Everyone's got to be cuddled. Everyone, that was, that was real truth. Whatever you want to call it. people say, well, it's not love. 
Maybe it was. Well, the message the, received. Who Who is somebody to judge somebody else, who they love and how they love? Everybody loves differently, in my opinion. So who is somebody to say that that's not love? They're not him. How do they know? It, how do they know how he thinks? 100%. So as far as changing my course, I, I got in trouble on the streets. And yeah, no, you did time in Rikers Island too, yeah. right? How was Rikers Island in the 80s? Scary. Bad. Yeah. How long was you doing there? Not long. Not long. But oh, was but, it a robbery or something? Yeah. yeah. It was terrible. Rikers. But, but I mean. I don't it, imagine it, that in the 80s. God. It's scary because right away they test you. They want to take your sneakers. I mean, that's the first <laughs> thing. I, I like those sneakers. Yeah, bang. <laughs> <laughs> no, because, yeah. I mean, if you don't do that, your sneakers are being taken. And the one thing that I understood, even that way, even then, without any introductory class to it, I didn't need one, was uh, the sneakers was only the beginning of what they were going to take. <laughs> right, yeah. That, 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 was, that was like the cherry, right? <laughs> Not, they, they didn't even get to the, you know, the cones <laughs> down the road. I didn't want to get there. <laughs> yeah. Didn't want to even That's think funny. about that. So it was a very, look, somebody asked the same question as you, and it's the right question. What was Rikers Island? And I, I think it's the right answer. Scary, but... Very scary, but dangerous. Any place that teenage kids are hiding back in the day, that's what they were doing. This might be a wake-up call, like a, a shock to some people hearing this, <laughs> but that are hiding razor blades in their mouth, the, the disposable razor blades, that, that are actually hiding them in their gums, in their mouth, so they can spit them out and cut you, it ain't a good place. No. <laughs> That's that's it ain't a good place, and um, everybody mad, everyone angry. We talked about it earlier. You probably really could set them up on a light detector polygraph test, and it would be a straight line. Uh, that if they said they didn't know why they were, you know, like you, it, it, it's a myriad of things, but no specific. They're just angry. They're, you know, they're angry because they had no father. They're angry, but not specifically saying, oh, because my dad There's was... not just like one no. reason, right? Yeah, yeah, just they're angry, just angry. And look, for all that we're talking about, these neighborhoods, then you get someone like Colin Powell who will come out of that neighborhood or Floyd Patterson or, you know, a million of them. But again, that one person in your life maybe, you know, and that's... You could connect that with everybody in there, just about. I would say, I would say, and um. But you know, again, it was meant to be for me. I guess my journey, you know, and thank God, got through it. But I remember the, I, I when I was in trouble, when a friend reached out who was up in Catskill. Customano was retired, basically. He was training a few kids, but really, basically retired up in the Catskills and he had managed Floyd Patterson, Jose Toys, a whole bunch of fighters and he had a gym down on 14th Street, the Gramercy Gym, great gym and he was a great great trainer, great manager and legendary and he's up there just hanging out and had a little gym in, in the town of Catskill and a friend of mine went up there. He had just won the Golden Gloves. I helped him a little bit. I sparred with him and stuff. I was in the same gym. I was fighting in the PAL and um he went up there. Four months, I remember, four months before, and I get in trouble. And he, you know, right away he gets the word that I'm facing 10 years. 
and um, I have to go to trial, the whole thing. And he reaches out, come up here. I'm going to talk to the man. Who's the man? I don't know the man. The, the man. He's the man. Cuss. I'm going to talk to him, see if you could come up here. What year is this now? Uh, I would say uh, 1975, somewhere around there. Whatever, 74, 75. So maybe 74. So um, anyway, he goes to Cuss. He says, tells him the story. He says, I'm afraid he'll get in trouble before he even goes through trial. Like he's not going to make it to trial. <laughs> like he needs to get out of there. And um, he's fighting all the time, blah, 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 whatever. And he said enough for this old man, Cuss, to say, all right, bring him up here. I go up there. I'm not going to go through everything. We'd be here for four days. But I go in the gloves and I win the gloves. But the thing that won Cuss for me to cuz that won him over if you will uh, was not that I was trying I was just you know but he he got a he got to really like me and take to me was not that I won the gloves which probably helped but when I was going through what I was going through he was finding out about the case a little bit and again you learn about life I was the youngest one out of a group that I was involved with. They were older than me uh, in, in one of the cases. There was two cases. And um, they turned, I almost don't want to say it because I, but they, they turned state evidence on and on me. You know, I was the stupid little guy. And Cus saw that. And he saw that I didn't go that, and he said, you have character, <laughs> and it made me feel. I don't know, but he said, "You have, you have character." They don't, you know, like, and um, so, uh, see, people thought I learned it from Cus. I learned it from my father through osmosis, because my father, when you grew up, there was no buckling rule, uh, the, uh, like you could buckle. <laughs> you did what you said you were gonna do. My father got surgery and still was in the office the day after. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, serious surgery. He was in a, laying on a couch, taking care of pay. I mean, it's crazy. Crazy. But, I mean, when he got older, he used to pop a little white pill under his tongue. I'm, what the frick is that? Because his heart was skipping. But but it, it allowed him to keep going. It was a nitro, nitroglycerin. And it, it, it kept, it wasn't a beanie. <laughs> so, you know, people get, so, and, you can do it if you if, if that's truly what you're pledged to do, what you're truly committed to do. Everything else become. I know this is. Every you either have reasons or excuses. That's where I grew up, and my father didn't talk about it. Just showed it by the way he lived, but he demanded it, but he didn't talk about it. And how could I give up somebody to get out of what I I did? It wasn't. It wasn't even a thought. So later on, people said, "Oh, Teddy, you know, you were a stand-up guy. What's a stand-up guy? I stand up." I mean, what's a stand-up guy? Well, you're a stand-up guy. You didn't rat. I wasn't a stand-up guy. I didn't even know there was a thing called ratting. <laughs> I didn't even understand the concept of it. All I knew is that you do something, you freaking go with what comes with it. Because that's what that's the way it is. You do something, you you know, pay consequences. The, you pay the consequences. Yeah. You pay the price. Whatever. You did it. 
That's it. You don't think, oh, I, this could be this way and this could segue out here and make a left turn here. No, that that was it. So it was. It, I didn't deserve credit for being stand up because I didn't even know there was a choice. <laughs> that really, and and I told Cuss that, and Cuss was. Uh, you knew. You knew. You knew in a way that matters the most. A quiet, silent way, but you knew. And whatever. And and he he liked me. Admired that part, whatever. So I um he came down to stand up for me in trial. And he made freaking court officers cry. Which was crazy. They don't cry. And um he told the judge, he goes, if you put him in jail, he goes, you're going to take away someone who can help people. You're going to take away a special person. Of course, it's not true. But he's, he was saying, he goes, you're going to take away someone special, someone who can make a difference. You're going you're gonna to take that away. We're never going to see it again. And we're never going to get a chance to see what it could have been. And I'm telling you, I've been around kids, helping kids all my life, and I'm telling you, that's what you're going to be doing. And I'm begging you. And like, you know, cuz got like emotional. And uh, the judge made a decision that changed my life, you know. Instead of giving me, you know, what he could have, he paroled me, probated me to Costano, <laughs> and I broke it. I'm not a, I can't be a hero here and say, oh, yeah. No, I still wasn't ready. I still was messed up. After a year up there, I became friendly with the probation officer. He came and watched me fight. He loved. It. He was a good guy, but I knew that he wasn't gonna. He wasn't going to violate me, and I left. I went back. I went back, and I still kept doing wrong things. I left Catskill, and I went back. And Cuss would call me every week. I went back. What would he say to you when he called every week? You could be a teacher. You could be a trainer. You know, because uh, I had an injury. I couldn't fight no more. You could be... Uh, yeah, what happened with your back that you couldn't fight anymore? You know what it was? It was a combination of uh, stuff I was born with, gaps in the vertebrae, different oh, okay. things from street fighting, whatever. Uh, a, a lot of things that probably could have been corrected, honestly. Cus was smart. He was a genius. He didn't want them corrected. He wanted someone to carry on for him. If I did it, I would have just been a fighter. And I was going to turn pro, all that stuff. But he he saw something else. He saw that, he always said, he said, Teddy, you were born to be a teacher. Come on, get the, you were born to be a teacher. I'm telling you. And then he would say to me, you know what is the genesis the the real flame behind being a teacher, you know, obviously it's knowing knowledge and being able to convey it to someone else, but you know what it really is? And he said, I got this from my father, whatever. And I feel funny because I'm talking good about it, like like I'm being an idiot right now. But um he said being a teacher means you care. <laughs> you care beyond yourself. And he said, you could do so much more than just have your own career. You can help other people, you blah, 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 blah. I didn't buy into it. I left. I'm not a good guy at that time. I left. I went back. I was freaking doing stuff on the street. Uh, real fast, forward. Um, he's calling me every week. 
That's so cool uh, though that he kept calling you. You're gonna that come is up here. So cool. I need someone. I need a trainer to carry on for me. You could be that guy. You are that guy. Blah blah blah. No, I'm not a teacher. I'm not a trainer. I'm what, not. Are, what are some other lines like that he used to say? I, I watched the documentary uh, with about him and Tyson, and he'd be like, "You're a monster. You're a monster. When you're in that ring, that ring's your ring." What are some other things he would say like to you, or you heard him say that? we don't know that are like impactful things like you're saying. anybody who says they're afraid they're one of two things teddy and remember this they're either a liar or they need to go to a doctor and find out what's wrong with them <laughs> <laughs> <That's good. laughs> that sounds about right yeah, that's about right Sounds just like too, that's like about the, right from the documentary <laughs> what happened was the, the friend who brought me up there was fighting in the ohio state fair it was a national tournament maybe the biggest in the country and cuts don't go and work corners he needed someone to go with him it was for a whole week in Ohio call me up he knew I wouldn't say no because I owed him I need you to go <laughs> and, but it, it's the setup. it's the yeah. setup. you know he's it's, plotting this, right? yeah it's the spider bringing the veto in <laughs> you know yeah and he's gonna put his webs on me yep. and, and he goes I need uh, you're, gonna, you're not gonna do it Cause you know I'm gonna freaking do it. Well, you come up here, you, you leave tomorrow. Oh, you were guessing I was gonna do it, huh? Yeah, huh? Yeah, you putting your finger in there and checking her. Please stop, cuz stop. I you did that to me already. The psychological warfare. I, I I'm beyond that. So. Give me another uh, psychological warfare from Cuz. One more. That was a good. That was a good impersonation. <laughs> I, I, I'd give you a Grammy for that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's easy when it's there, you know, when it's real. It's kind of, it's kind of, I'll tell you one that some people won't like, but because you can, I, I we used to get into this thing, man, because about the people can change. And he had a theory that depends on what you're, you can learn, you can get better. Yeah. But he thought that certain people, and it all started from your upbringing and whatever else, because that's where everything starts. But that the core had gotten to a place where at the end of the day, they could hide it more, but that core wouldn't be changed. So we got into an argument over this one day and um, he did one of his cousinisms on me. He just, he just goes, Teddy! And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. <All right. laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> and he goes, remember this from this old man. People born round don't die square. <laughs> now go to the gym and train the fighters. So, I don't know. Uh, you can help people and people can change. There's no doubt about it. But he got, he was making a, trying to make a point, make a point yeah. to me. So he suckers you into Australia, yeah. right? So yeah. Now what happens? No, there? no, not Australia, Australia, to Ohio. Ohio. Yeah, no. So Ohio. I go out there with the I fight and we get all the way to the finals. We beat, we beat a future world champion. I mean, really, we, it's unbelievable. In the quarterfinals, we get to final, we, and we get all the way to the finals. I still remember it. I'd say the name, Bernard Bad Maze from the Crock. Right, Emmanuel Stewart, the famous, the legendary, the great, all that. Uh, I mean, probably 300 amateur fights, whatever, but not bad maze. 
and he was bad. He was fast. He was, and I came up with a plan how we had to. So, um, Cuz's on the phone. He goes, "How are you going to beat this guy?" I said, "We got to time him. We can't freaking get into a speed thing with him." He goes, "That's why you're going to be." I told you. I said, "Cuz, Cuz." <laughs> <laughs> I said, I'm not even going to answer you no more. I said, because you keep doing this to me. Stop. So anyway, we go, and we would have won it. I know it's easy to say. I get it. But he gets cut. And back in those days, damages, they stop like that if you cut. It was right on the eyelid. Not a good spot. Right on the eyelid, he got cut. I guess in the eye can fly. Yeah. Right. So um, we're winning. But got caught, fight stop. That's it, over, done. Oh. But we made it to the finals. He wouldn't have made it to the finals without you there. You know, the whole kept, 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 kept. But it didn't get me there. And then all of a sudden, at some ungodly hour in an ungodly place um, on Bay Street in Staten Island, uh, I'm there probably 2 in the morning or whatever. You know that old saying, you know, it ain't nothing good being found at two in the morning. Yep. And in those places. Well, I wanted to prove it. And once again, because I'm a slow learner, <laughs> and a fight breaks out. And uh, you know the when you see the movies, I can tell you things you learn. It's funny how people equate what they learned as learn. You know, I you know what I learned? I learned that that's all BS in the movies when Steven Seagal and all these guys <laughs> get get hit with a pool club, pool <laughs> yeah. stick, and it does damage. It does no damage. A pool stick is nothing. <laughs> they cracked a pool stick over my head. Yeah, I got a hard head, but pool sticks are easy. They're easy. It's the baseball bats. They're hard. That's the ones you don't want to get hit. Yeah. Those are the Pool right? stick, nothing. Nothing. Pull stick, come on. Come on, Bill Come on, pull no. stick. Right? You know what I mean? <laughs> you don't want the Louie. Yeah. So, and, and, and these were cheap pool sticks because I'm in a cheap place. <laughs> I, these ain't, these ain't the Louie Moscone <laughs> uh, uh, pool sticks where you screw them in. You know? So yeah, that got things going, right? So uh, I'm, you know, I'm fighting with these guys in the bar. And um, there's a couple of them. And... Um, I was never that smart. I'm over. I mean, I'm fighting. It turns out to be, you know, two, three guys. I mean, if you go back to the car, might as well. The truth should be told. This episode is sponsored by Aurora. Do you know what the fastest growing crime in America is? For years, this crime rate has been surging and affecting millions of Americans. I'm talking about identity theft, and there's a new victim every 14 seconds. Yet, despite this, those who have had their identity stolen are often shocked when it happens. That's why I'm excited to partner with Aurora, who is sponsoring this video. Aurora is identity theft protection, fraud monitoring, a VPN, password management, and antivirus software all into one easy-to-use app. Their VPN allows you to stay anonymous online by keeping your browsing history and personal information safe and encrypted. Protect you and your family from America's fastest-growing crime. Try Aurora for free for two weeks and see if you or anyone in your family's personal information has been compromised. Start your free trial today. Go to aurora.com slash MSCS. The link is in the description below. Or my friend who was, a lot of people say, well, it was five guys, but you were, yeah, it turned out my friend was on the roof of the car. And look, I love him to this day. He's gone. He's he died. He died of AIDS. Hard to hear that. Yeah. But. He was on the roof of the car with a broken Heineken bottle, like doing this kind of stuff. Like that wasn't really 
gonna help me. <laughs> you know. Yeah. But, right. but again, Same fear, right. fear. Yeah. Everyone deals with it different. I'm just. It, it's. It, we're all brothers. We really are, because of that. Anyway. So, um, I'm in a bar fighting with these guys and pool stick. Like, are you kidding me? So I took a cue ball. <laughs> that hurts. <laughs> that hurts. I mean, again, you got to be honest, right? I mean, if I'm telling a story, you can't hide things. Trigger right? coded, right? Yeah. I mean, that, yeah, you hit me with a pool stick. How about this pool cue? <laughs> you know? No thanks. Yeah. So, on the temple. Oh. Yeah. So, I got rid of him, you know, and and then uh, give me a headache. Already. And this was all over quarters, putting your quarters <laughs> up over uh, like who's next? Can you imagine? I, I mean, actually, I can. Yeah, yeah. yeah. all quarters because back in that day, you put your quarters up. That's how you yeah. got the next game. And um, anyway, so uh, go outside and it goes into the street, and I'm fighting the guy, and I um. You know, I win, whatever. So, I uh, I go home. Finally, <laughs> I'm living with my parents downstairs. You know, it's I'm not a cousin no more. I'm living, not living a good life. And uh, I get a all of a sudden I get a call. I pick up the phone. It's in the house. There's no cell phones, and. It's my friend uh, who was there. Same guy that was with me in the car. He calls me up. He says, Teddy, these guys, uh, what What are you talking about? They said they're going to burn your mother's, your, they're going to burn your house out, my mother and father's house, if you don't come down here. Where are you? <laughs> I'm on my way. You know, I mean, and uh, so I get down there. They're there. You know, and I got my friend. He ain't, so it's me, <laughs> and yeah. you know, and there's them. Whatever, three, whatever. But it's not that bad because I know what I'm doing a little bit, and I know what I'm gonna do. Cuz always told me get the guy that's the so-called leader first. Crack him. I went right for him right for him and he's putting his hands up you know and we're going at it and a jab bang right in over out hits the floor the asphalt and nobody's around anymore and I remember Cus telling me that he goes and all of a sudden everyone disappears they all disappeared I was like son of a gun Cus this guy's right <laughs> I mean son of a gun I mean like like I mean better than raid with the cockroaches you know what I mean <laughs> I mean <laughs> gone all gone. All the cockroaches. They were cockroaches. All gone. And um, just me. I have been arrested. I'm on parole. I can't, you know. I I mean, I had all the problems too. But, I mean, I'm still on parole. And um, probation. I'm in trouble. If So I'm out of there. You know, get in the car, boom, gone. Everyone's gone. Guy's still in the street. I come back. I said, son of a bitch. I slap him and all that stuff doesn't always work. <laughs> and, uh, oh, my God. Get up, get up. You son of a I drag him. 
You know that old saying that dead weight is heavy? It's yeah, heavy. heavy. It really <laughs> is. For you guys out there that don't know, <laughs> it, don't try it, but believe me, it's really heavy. And I'm pulling them like, holy cry, I, I scrunch them into... I wasn't real loving about it. I, <laughs> you, you know, and I get them into the back seat. I take them to the hospital. The same hospital where I got stitched up. It was the one in the neighborhood. So I take them there. They, I said, I need a thing to carry them in. You know, they, they bring it out. They come, they rush them in. They take them in the back. I'm leaving. You know, I did my part. Uh, I stop. I go back. The girl's there, you know. Um... Can you tell me if he came to? If he's all right. No, he didn't come to. I sit down. I'm thinking, you know, get up every five minutes. He come to? No. I'll let you know. All of a sudden it hits me that, you know, <laughs> you know, like should have had a V8. Like it hits me like, oh, what a moron I am. This set me up. I jump up. I start running for the door. The cops come walking in. The guy came to, who knows when, probably right oh. away, and he said, yeah, that's the guy who freaking knocked me out. And they're waiting for the cops to get there. And and listen, this, for everyone out there, it's never good. You know you're in a bad place, you've been living wrong, when the cops say, hey, Teddy, uh, <laughs> having a bad night again? They know you by first name. Like, when they know no. you by your first, not good. Not good. Not good. So they, they actually said, Teddy, hey, Teddy. Not good, huh? Bad, bad night. Uh, yep. So uh, I got through that without getting into what had to happen because I was gone. They they put me in front of a grand jury to indict. That's the procedure. And if they got enough information, they indict, and you're in trouble. I mean, serious. So um, that's what it was. So I had to go down to the Supreme Court with my lawyer, and um, and the guys testifying in the front of the grand, and then I'm I'm next. And uh, anyway, when it was all over with, the DA comes out, and my father's a legendary doctor. I'm embarrassing the crap out of him, this freaking idiot that I am. And and he goes, you know, your luck's gonna run out, cause you're gonna wind up dead or gone, forever. He goes, but you you beat it, you you got lucky again, and he walks away. The DA, and I'm like, what the frick? Then a lawyer comes over and goes, uh, they're not indicting you. And I'm thinking, whoa, wow, someone up there likes me, <laughs> you know, whatever. Turns out, my father had patience. My father took care of everybody. Some of the guys were those guys. And those guys obviously heard about, it was everyone knew what happened, and they went to this guy and said, you're going to drop the charges. You're, oh, you're not drop the charges, you couldn't drop them. You're going to change your story. You're going to change it, in the, and that'll take care of it. And um, he did. And and because he did, I didn't go to jail. And again, again you're here. Saved my right. life. Yeah, so I still didn't go up to Catskill after all that, go back to Cuss. And what happened was, one of the I was training two kids on the street, and Cus got all excited when he found out later. But I, they came up to me on a corner uh, where they where the neighborhood was, and they said, "Could you teach us?" I was fighting, and they, and they knew I was a boxer. 
could you teach us? I don't know why he said yes. I really shouldn't have said yes for all the way I was living. I said, yeah. And I took him down to this gym in the neighborhood, and they ran out of money. They closed in the summer. So I trained him for a month or two there, and then I borrowed equipment and started training him in the park to keep the training going. And we were training in the park, outdoors, obviously, and with, with borrowed equipment. And I had... I, I had rules for them. You couldn't hang out in the corner. Obviously, you couldn't do drugs, anything. Um, you couldn't. You couldn't be drinking. You couldn't be all these rules I gave to them. You can't hang out. You got to be. Can't get in trouble. You got. Otherwise, it's over. And they're listening. And I'm breaking every rule that I'm making them obey. And um, you know, and that's when I got the problem in that bar during that time. And I'm training these kids, and they're learning. And uh, all of a sudden, I get a knock on the door after this whole thing. And it's one of them. Uh, his street name was Joe the Blade. Joe the Blade. Yeah, <laughs> cool name. And and he he says, can you come outside and talk to you? He was my, you know, one of the kids I'm training come outside I see he's got something in his what the frick is that I I go crazy you know he's got a gun what the frick are you doing he goes these guys got it on out there that they're gonna kill you no more fighting <laughs> no more pool sticks no more cue balls no more whatever fist fights they're gonna kill you and he goes they, he goes, they're liable to kill you you ain't gonna even know gonna, you know they're cowards they're gonna whatever and uh, we got to go get him. I was always, the only thing I had, I think, in my mind at that time in my life was my reputation that I was a little bit of a tough guy. I know that's stupid, but I didn't feel like I was worth anything else. I thought that was the, the beginning and the end of my worth, Teddy Atlas's worth. Of course, I'm wrong, fortunately. But um, I could get it where people get to those confined places of thinking and I, I I thought the only thing that mattered is that I never backed down from a, I know it's stupid but that I never backed down you know from a fight and it was selfish I didn't care about my parents I didn't care about anything I just cared about how it made me feel and look that's all that's selfishness it is it's hard to get to that place but I got to it and all of a sudden this kid is willing to blow his life, and it would have been blown, blow his life for me. I never had anybody willing to do that. I was willing to do it for others. But nobody was ever willing <laughs> ever, to do it for Ever, you. ever, ever. Yeah. I never saw that, whatever you want to call it, loyalty, uh, allegiance. Yeah. I never, f and I freaking said, I can't. It gave me an excuse to walk away from this. I couldn't have walked away by myself because I was doing it for him. I I wasn't because you wanted to save him. Yeah, I wasn't tough enough to do it for myself. Where because it would have made me look bad. But now I had a reason. Right. <laughs> and I'm I'm doing. For, I went in the house and I called Cuss. Picked up the phone. Cuss Cuss <laughs> would sit by the phone. He wait and 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 like he wouldn't let it ring more than twice. Like when when I lived with him, I lived there seven years. I mean, if you go get, he'd pick it right up. 
So he picked. I knew it. I knew. I knew where he was. What <laughs> Jay was in. I. Hey, cuz, what took you so long? Listen. Uh, so he said, "What took you yeah. so long?" <laughs> and, and and you know what he would say? He's an old school guy from the Bronx. You know, really from tough place. He used to say, "What are you, a wise guy or a Boy Scout?" <laughs> <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so he, so he picks up the phone. Yeah. T- I said, listen, um, you still want me to come up there? Yeah, come up. Come up now. I said, cuss. It's like 9 o'clock at night, whatever it was. Um, I said, I can't come up now. All right, but, but one situation I got here that I can't come unless you, you know, I have to. T- what happened? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, we. I don't mean to talk like slang that much, but I mean, it was the way it was back then. Cuss just says, would, would you knock some girl up? Like I said, no. <laughs> like that's the first thing. Like he said, he thought I like got a girl pregnant, like or something. He goes, "Did you not come?" I no. Well, what is it? What's the problem? I said, the problem is I've been training these two kids basically off the street in a park, and I can't just leave them. I told you you were a trainer. <laughs> I, t- I I said, "Cuss, we don't have time for this." I, I what what are you saying? I have to bring them with me. I can't leave them here. Okay. I brought them up. Long story short, they lasted nine months. Changed their life. Changed their life. They lasted nine months. I lasted almost eight years. Probably about eight years altogether. Seven, eight years. Um, When you count up both before and after. And trained fighters some guy named Tyson walked in the gym one day <laughs> whatever but um, when you meet Tyson when he's what 13 no 12 12, 12. Wow. 190 pounds all muscle no no I mean that's yeah. just the way it was I mean you know I, I remember one of the fathers that came to the gym when I when I was with him the first day that they brought him from the prison you know the juvenile to try on juvenile detention they brought him in a van and Bobby Stewart brought him over and took a look at him and and um, I was the trainer. I trained all the fighters for Cuss. Cuss would come by the gym maybe once a week, see what was going on. Sometimes less, and um, but always reporting to him. Yeah, this, this, this. and um, I remember, I remember one of the fathers was there when we, but basically gave him, you know, gave him a, a, a where he, he was on audition. To if he if he was gonna come with us, you know, and we let him box two rounds with Bobby, and never again, because after that we started teaching him, but just to see what he had, so to speak. But really, what was inside? That's what it was about, because he was very raw. He didn't know how to fight. When but, you first saw him, they were all. Did did you know? Did you know? Here's the thing, like there was a one of the fathers was there that day, and I remember him saying to me, "Hey, Teddy." You might want to get a birth certificate before you uh, believe he's twelve. Huh. <laughs> I said, I get it. I mean, it's I I got eyes too. <laughs> and um, after we finished two rounds with Bobby, and he you know he got a bloody nose. Here's the funny part: tells you about. I learned there are no naturals. Everyone said, "Oh, you're natural?" No, no, no. He had ability, great ability, genetics. God-given ability, quickness, power. Punches are not made. They are born. It's that simple. You can improve it with technique, but you're either that kind of puncher you're not. He was born. He was a puncher. When he 
the reason I say there's no such thing as a natural, he got a bloody nose. When we took him in and started training him, no more bloody noses. I remember Cus said that to me. You notice you don't get bloody nose? Because you don't get a hit no more. Because you're teaching him. You're teaching him. And, you know, he had to give me some cuts. I wasn't getting paid. So I'm up there, you know, training fighters and nothing else, seven days a week. Seven. He didn't believe in six. And, and you know, so he would push me. He even gave me a nickname to keep me going, the young master. Oh, man. I, I floated out of the gym that day. Floated out. Of the, like, like I was getting paid 10000 an hour. Like, I'm the young master. I'm, I'm the young master. Oh, he was smart. So he... We started teaching him, you know, after. But that was like an audition. And here's the thing how smart Cus was. Not me, obviously. Cus goes, grabs me, takes me aside after watching two rounds. Kid that did not have a fight, but, you know, strong. In there with the 27-year-old man who was a national amateur champion and had 14 pro fights, okay? But, but the guy was holding back, don't get me wrong. But still, he had to open up enough to keep this powerful kid from getting to him. That's all we needed to, we're supposed to know what we're doing here. You know, we're supposed to know. Cuz used to say to me, Atlas, if you don't know what you're doing here, go on the corner and sell Italian ISIS. All right, Cuz, okay, I know what I'm freaking doing. All right, you keep learning. So, I sound like Mickey from Rocky. So, so he, Cuz was a lot more cerebral than Rick, Mickey. Uh, God bless Mickey. So he takes me aside. He puts his arm around me because he says, we're going to take this kid in. You know, we had to make arrangements for him to come in, into our custody when he got finished with his sentence. He had a few more months. I can't remember what it was, four more months, whatever. He said, he's going to be your first heavyweight champ. What are you talking? He's 12 years old. He don't, <laughs> he don't know how to tie his shoes. Like, cuz, what are you? I'm telling you, if you do your job, we do our job, and he stays interested. That's the key. He's got to stay interested, you know, and want to obviously do his part. Um, but he'll be your first heavyweight champ. Come on. I mean, how? I don't even know what to call that. Ingenious, insightful, um, crystal ball, um, impossible. That think about it. I mean, the kids yeah, twelve, these, right? But you know, that's like think about saying that. And um, so he uh, he wound up living with us, and you know, sometimes you see certain things that uh, a moment can show you. You know where everyone's at. Cuz once told me he said I didn't get married because I was married to the sport. That's pretty deep, like a little crazy, but like I. I couldn't marry someone because it would have been unfair to that person because this is it. It really was for us. And so we're at the table. He had to come and stay with us, Tyson, a couple times before he got released. You know, that was part of the protocol before the state would let him come and stay with us. So he's over there for one of the weekend visits. And we're at the table, and he's on good behavior. He's a street kid. That's all he knows. So he's got these instincts. I want to do everything right. I don't want to blow this. So he's tried too much, too much. I remember telling him, I said, stop the yes, sir stuff. 
because someday you're going to be looking to call me something a lot less respectful <laughs> than that. So that's like stop it like now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah because we kind of understand where we're coming from, both of us. So anyway, he um he's at the table and it's a table we're all sitting there and it's a heavy table and the table has a lot of food on it. Cuz believed in too much food. He came from a poor family, but one thing in the Italian family, he always said, my father made sure we had food, no matter how poor we were in the in the Bronx. No matter how poor, we had food. So Cus would drive Camille crazy. Like, <laughs> we, if we had, like, nine people coming over, uh, nine people did that, he'd say, how many chicken wings? We had chicken wings. How many chicken wings you got? I, I got uh, plenty. Uh, two for everyone. Two might be enough. What if they want three? <laughs> she said, because nobody eats three uh, full wings. I, I do. I eat three or four. We need more. <laughs> well, I don't have no more. He walked across to the carriage house. There was 10 acres of land where we lived there, you know, in an old Victorian mansion on the Hudson River up in Catskill, Camille's house. He'd walk across to the car. Come on, Atlas. Walk across. I'd have to go with him. And he had a freezer there. What the freak? What do you got? People chopped up in here? <laughs> yeah. o- open up the freezer. He had his extra storage of food. Oh, food. Can you imagine? He goes, grab that. Grab that. Grab that. Don't say nothing. Uh, <laughs> Don't say like, nothing. Uh, okay. okay. What is this? Kabasi. Grab that. Uh-huh. The big thing of kabasi. Yeah. Bring that. We got kabasi chicken wings. We got everything going. C- Camille's like shaking her head. We, oh my God, we don't. Ne- no, no. We got to be sure. So anyway, there's a lot of food on the table. And here's this 12-year-old kid from the environment, Brownsville, in jail, right? You know, it's tough for him, you know, going through this. It's a God gift, don't get me wrong. But, I mean, you know, to to deal with this and try to navigate how to behave and everything, you know. And so he's trying to be on perfect behavior. Yes, ma'am. No, 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 no. So Camille says, Mike, just like that, can you reach over and get a spoon, like in the cabinet behind you? Well, he jumps quicker than he would later, very quick. He jumps, and one of his legs get caught under the underpinnings of the table and picks up the whole table, and the food starts moving, the whole table. Now, I'm sitting there. I'm the trainer. I know I got to train this guy, and I'm and I'm training everyone. I'm there seven days a week, training, fighting, and I... I quickly take a survey of everything, like like seconds. And I'm watching everybody's reaction. Camille's yelling, oh no, you're gonna spill it. You know, she's upset, she's doing that, right? Uh, other ones yelling, this, and Tyson's going, oh! And he's covering his face and he's like, he's mortified, he's upset that he did something wrong. I'm sorry, you know, like he's, right? And so I'm watching everybody and then I go right to the man. What's he doing? What's he doing? Look at that power! The next heavyweight <laughs> champ of the world. <laughs> Unbelievable, right? Oh my god! <laughs> Everybody's yelling and screaming. He's, he's just like, look what's care. look who's coming. That's what he sees. Yeah. That's all he sees. And now, when he gets done with that, uh, the four months where he has to go back and forth, and now you get him in the ring and you start training him. What are you seeing him? Like, we hey, didn't even wait. Cuz didn't believe in waiting. Cuz talked to Bobby Stewart and said, can we work something out here that we don't have to wait till four months? Yeah, I could maybe. Once a week, you bring them here. He goes, yeah, but I'd have to bring some of the other kids, prisoners, in a van. They'd sit, they watch, and then, no problem. Teddy would train them 
one hour a week, two hours, whatever it is. So I would get there a little earlier before my, because I started to develop a gym of fighters because there was no one there when I started training. All of a sudden, five kids, 10, 20, 30. We had a real gym because they heard this young guy is training fighters. Go. And everybody started going. And we had a real gym, real stable fighters. Cus was so proud. Cus would come like once a week. He'd look at Cus, look what he's doing. Look, <laughs> look, he's making champions, mm-hmm. you know. So, and again, I, I float out of the gym, you know. Meanwhile, I didn't have money to get a cheeseburger. But but I float right out of there like I was Angelo Dundee and Eddie Fudge put together like I was making money millions. And, you know, but he was right. I was on the right track. And I was paying my dues, doing what I had to do. And uh, so we would, um, what was it we were? Well, what was the biggest thing you saw with, with Mike? You know, oh, so as during that period, no, yeah. during that period, senior moment, the, during that period, we would, because said, we're not waiting. So he talked to Bobby, figured out that we could, once a week it could come. So, that once a week he would bring the van. I'd get there earlier than the, for the gym for the rest of the kids. During the day, I trained pros. Jim Jacobs, who was Cus's best friend, would send pros up for me to train during the day, and at night I trained with amateurs. I'd go all day. So I'm I'm training Tyson every Monday. I think it was. I think it was every Monday. Um, he would come with the van, train him, and he'd go back to the prison and practice. Mm. And he did this for four months. <laughs> And then when he finally got released to our custody, lived with us, he already had a base, good base. And I had a base of understanding. And then we went from there. And uh, he, he, he was like a sponge. Just kept learning, kept learning, and so powerful. And I didn't have too many big guys. So I was training guys, amateur kids, a couple big ones, and I couldn't put him in with him. He was 12, well, he became 13. But I, I had one guy, he was in his 20s. And I couldn't put him in with him because he, seriously, the old timers used to have this saying, Cuss would tell me, he punched Teddy, he punched so hard he hit you on top of the head and fractured your ankles. <laughs> that, that, that was Tyson. Yeah. He he literally hit this guy on top of the head and the guy was gone. I was like, so I would have to, I was like the parent watching the, the, the bad kid sometimes. And, you know, I, I would go, Hey! I told you not to hurt him. It was crazy. <laughs> I told you not. What? Um, and meanwhile, he's only 13. Let's be fair. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and he's, he does know. He knew he was hurting him. He does know. That's where you're wrong. But he was testing his power. But but really, you're asking the 13-year-olds to take it easy with a 20-something-year-old. So he's probably thinking, well, who's looking out for me? You yeah. know? And I was looking out for him because I knew he had the edge. I, I was teaching him. I, I knew, but I also knew he wouldn't get sparring if he banged these guys out. Nobody, that, nobody was sparring. We'd have nobody. <laughs> and we had nobody. So I would have to jump in there and say, hey, I, you know what you did. Uh, oh, I didn't mean. Yes, you did. Now, you can't do that. I'm not going to let you box him no more. And so there was a lot of phases that we had to go through a lot and and he had a mental weakness we all do but as strong as he was i used to i remember giving an interview and i said to someone and it was uh we were getting ready to go off our first national junior olympics out in denver colorado and i we flew out there for a week and he knocked everyone out in the first round uh oh, <laughs> how, and, how old was he then 
14. And, and, but with other kids, you know. Other everyone on the first round. Yeah. So we go out there, and uh, and then the next year he did the same thing. <laughs> and you're coaching so, him. Yeah. Uh, right. So, and everyone's saying he's the natural, the natural. And I would get pissed because they said, no, he had to be taught. He wasn't doing that when, when he came. He was getting bloody noses. But he don't know more because he learned. Yeah, he's got the natural ability, but it had to be harnessed. It had to be taught. And there was still a part, because we'd always tell him, there's still a component that he had not. And we need this for life. We need this to be good in everything. It's the most important part, this part, the mental part. The most important part, controlling your fear, whatever you want to call but this part. But for me, being calm in an uncommon environment, you got to get a guy to there where he can see things. This part, where that, where that doesn't... That doesn't work against you. That that doesn't get in the way of compromise everything. you. That does, yeah. That no. uh, because it will uh, uh, get in the way of talent. So he had a weakness. We all do. If he didn't get rid of you, see, I would always say, and Cus said, "Yeah, that's good, young master. That's good that you say, young master." Uh, yeah, uh, I say, uh, I say he's got a curse, and so Cus want to go farther. He goes, "Explain yourself." Well, he can punch so. It's easy. He hits somebody, it's gone. It's like an eraser. Get rid of what's on the chalkboard. And he goes, I'm listening. I said, so Tyson has this great gift to have, but you hit somebody, gets rid But then you don't have to learn the other things. I said, we'll teach him to him the jab, how to set it up, all that. But the mental part where he has to deal with when there is nothing there to hurt a guy, when a guy ain't going to go away, to become tough in that area, more together in that area, to know you can rely on yourself, not on your power. He goes, young master, yes, you got to. We got to do that with him. I, yeah, I said that's the thing. <laughs> You're like, yeah, uh, yeah. how do I do that, yeah. uh, Cuss? And <laughs> he said, you got to call him on it all the time, and make him strong in that area. So sure enough. We had to hire kid. Well, he's fourteen years old now. <laughs> We're hiring professional spawn part. Well, top amateurs, whatever. But we we're hiring guys to spar with them. <laughs> and no, seriously, I mean, it's and and coming into spar this fourteen year old kid, and we're getting and we're losing him because he's knocking him out. So <laughs> we get petty. one. Who's, when you go hire these professional yeah, guys, most, what are they saying when uh, they're, they realize like, they're about to fight? Right? Yeah, like a fourteen year old. Well, we off. you start at a certain level, you know, like we're hiring good amateurs in the area, and they're like this kid, you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. and then they get hit, and then they start telling their friends, and they're not coming back. <laughs> yeah, you got to get someone else. And then we get to higher levels of guys. And when we got to the higher levels, rightfully so, he had problems. But the problem wasn't that he wasn't good enough. He didn't know he was good enough. He didn't know he could rely on him, only on his power. He had to get stronger within. So, and Cuz didn't say none. I saw it. And he, he said, do what you got. What are you doing? So Cuz came one day. We hired a guy. Uh, and we... Uh, Actually, we didn't hire this guy. We didn't have to because he was a top guy and he came over to spa. We we told him the story and the word was getting out about Tyson a little bit. You know, he won the national, knocked everyone out. So even though this guy's like probably 20, Tyson's 14, but and Tyson can't get rid of him. Either the guy's got a good enough chin or he knows how to hide his chin. And he, and like, we said it could be a curse. This great gift can be a curse because now what? Now what? You depend, just like in life with other things you depend on. But 
now what when that thing's taken away from you now what when, when that, that when that first round's done when that person in, ain't yeah. there no more for, to protect you now what or when this uh, or your daddy uh, now what or this or that or, or you know what's going on in society right now when the reality of the real world eventually is going to catch you eventually it's going to you can only be in that vacuum so long eventually that you know all this wokeism whatever you want to call it all this coddling and everything all of a sudden you're going to be in a place where that ain't there that don't exist. That don't work. Now what? Now what? Did they do you a favor or a disservice? You know that commercial? Remember that commercial? It was a it was a Fram oil filter where the guy said, pay me now. It was like $10. Pay me now or pay me later when your engine conks out. <laughs> and and to me, I look at it in a simple way like that. <laughs> pay me now or pay me later. And so everyone's protected. You know, oh, got to cuddle the guy. Give him a safe zone. A what? Give him a kitten. You hear the latest? They, they, they're handing out kittens oh, yeah. for these college kids. Oh, wow. That's tough, right? You got to have, because it's tough. It's real hard. Uh, yeah, it is hard. I mean, go study. I mean, yeah. I mean, you got you to gotta get a break. Walk outside, get a break. Call, call you somebody. Great. Yeah, get that. But you got to get a kitten. The kitten ain't going to freaking do, 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 the, do, do the test for you. The kitten can't write, I don't think. I mean, are you kidding me? Did you guys bring a, a kitten for uh, Mike when he was no playing the 20-year-old? Then he had a tough, he, he, tough listen, time. He used to fly pigeons, and when they were no good, he broke their necks. So <laughs> I hate to think what he would have done if we gave him a kitten. <laughs> we weren't bringing no kittens. That didn't go over with us. Yeah. So... So now we're in, you know, you're in the real world. So, so what happened I got, when he's having trouble? When so he's, he's having trouble. So first he's, time, right? he's boxing a guy in the ring, in the gym, and he can't knock him out. He can't hurt him. And the guy ain't showing he's hurt. And like I used to say, I, I knew myself, because would say, a real pro ain't going to show you he's hurt. He's not going to give you that, that privilege, that help. He ain't going to show you. You hit him a good shot, but he, he's hurt, but he ain't going to show you. It's up to you to do your job, to see past that. To believe in yourself past that. Not to have to see that the guy's hurt for you to do your job. Do your job because it's your job. Ah, very important. So now he's in there and he's hitting a guy, doing whatever. He's too fast for the guy. But the guy's the guy's experienced guy. And the guy's rolling and blocking and, and the guy's still there. And the guy's gone. And all of a sudden, Tyson's getting inside. Now Tyson's like Rocky Marciano in a way where he's got shorter arms. He's five foot ten. So you don't have to be Teddy Atlas or Eddie Fudge or Angelo Dundee or Customato to tell you that it's important that he learns how to fight on the inside. He ain't gonna be able to beat everyone on the outside. So you get inside, what's that mean? It means you have to consistently keep your hands in position where you can punch. But what does it really mean? It means that you wanna be inside to do that. That's what it really means. And you have the discipline to do that. So he gets inside. What's he do? He puts his hands behind the guy. Why? People say, Teddy, why? What do you mean? Well, he knew that most likely human nature is to seek the easiest, the least, le less resistance, the easiest way. Human nature, if it's not disciplined, if it's not disciplined, the disciplined ones, they're the special ones. They're the they're the ones. But at that stage, so he puts his hands behind, and what's the other guy do? He grabs. Free ride. Free ride. And then what Cus said to me, 
What is he doing, Teddy? I said, he's getting a free ride. He said, he cuz tells me afterwards we go over everything. He goes, silent contract. I said, yeah. He go, he was making a silent contract. You don't hit me, I won't hit you. No silent contracts in this business. I got it, cuz. No silent contract. I jump in the ring. He's got his hands behind the guy. I slap his hands out. No silent contracts. Keep your hands where they're supposed to be. Defend yourself. Be responsible defensively and punch. No silent con. No free rides. No free lunch. And you know, so that had to be done. And that and and it stayed with him. And the pros too. That that weakness showed up every once in a while. But that was his only weakness. There was no physical weakness. None. Speed, power, innate intelligence, instincts. Finishing ability, killer instinct, whatever you want to freaking call it. Throwing punches with bad intentions, as we coined that phrase. You know, he throws with bad intentions to knock you out, you know. So, uh, nobody's a natural. There's always phases of learning, steps of learning, and ways to, to take those steps. And we had to take all those steps. All those steps had to be taken. At what point did you believe that he was going to be world champion? One day. When I was gone. You know, it got to the point where I was gone. You know. Yeah. And uh, it dissolved. Our relationship dissolved and went bad and because of specific things. And uh, You don't have to elaborate on it, but whether he was 15 or 56, you're well, the only guy with the balls in this entire world, in my opinion, that would put a gun to Mike Tyson's ear. He was 16 at the time, 16, but he was, so. at that point, he was 220. <laughs> no, 210. I don't want to be saying something that's not exactly accurate. He was 210. He grew into 210, you know. And, um, but it wasn't about balls. It was about, I, I, Again, kind of like when I didn't, when when I didn't give up somebody when I was younger, and you know, take that way, um, because of it was I, about I just, principle for you. Yeah, right? I, it just I'm just something like when that, I say balls, no, I'm like you know, no, I'm I appreciate like, it, yeah. but it was just something that I, I, it had to be done. Like I, I felt, I felt like. In a way, it's in a way it's instead of taking credit. In a way, it was selfish, and I'll tell you what I mean by that. Because I knew what it would do to me, my family too. So it wasn't just me; it was my family too. But I also knew what I'd have to live with, and I wasn't willing to live with that. To I, I I always felt that it, there's there's a real deeper definition of living. Is it existing? Is it taking breaths? Is it you know doing your daily stuff and to getting nutrition in you and working a job and you know, or is it beyond that? And you know, and part of beyond that is fulfilling yourself in the way that that we all strive to fulfill uh, to feel like I, I hate to use such a stupid simple term but to feel like a man to 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 feel like a human being to to have all the things that 
a person should have. Dignity, self-worth, all those things. Otherwise, you're dead. And I always felt like I'd rather be dead. I'd, I'd open up the freaking floor, I'd open up the ground, go six feet, and, and just get me in there because I'm dead. Uh, if I can't have that. I'm, and again, there's an element of selfishness. I get it. But it, it's also an element, a real element of of just a connection to, to life. Of I, I think that we can all at some point equate to that, you know, you have to, you have to feel like there's a worth to you. Otherwise, you're just a walking robot. Yeah, capsule, a, robot. A, a physical capsule, a robot. You know, yeah, that, and that was going to be taken away. That was going. I know there's way to hide from it, but there's no hiding from certain things. There's no hiding from that. I I learned that young. I can't tell you exactly. I guess I talked enough that you could get an idea but I learned young you can't hide from yourself you can't hide from those things those things what you're saying is who you are is who you are yeah those are entwined and uh, you know they're just intertwined in in to our fabric of being you know as much as you know having a muscle that connects to the elbow that allows you to move your shoulder I mean it, it allows you to move it allows you to 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 demand things, to feel things, to say things, to believe that you have a a say in things, to a, a right to say anything, and you lose all of that when you lose that, when you lose yourself. And if I let him do what he was had done with, you know, a member of my family who was eleven years old at the time, or oh, suggesting to do. He didn't do anything. He didn't go and rape anyone. He didn't do nothing. But he was suggesting. What he was going to do. Um, and what did you just pull him aside and put a 38, 39 to his head? And 38, say, 38. 38. Yeah. I mean. And Cuss had adopted him, right? He, he became a ward of the state. He hadn't formally got adopted. All the Here's where it got tricky. Yeah. If they found out, if the state found out somebody, his trainer, oh, put a gun to it, he wasn't going to be a ward of the state of Cuss Tomano no more. Right. So Cuss... Really didn't have a choice. Well, not only have a choice, it was it got tricky, it got difficult. I mean, he actually sent somebody to where I was living with my wife at the time. Uh, I had just gotten married, and um, you know, and I I was the guy. I trained all the fighters for all these years. Now you know this changed everything, and um, he sent them to my to my apartment, and um, said if you leave. Because I guarantee you five percent of Tyson for the rest of his, you know, wherever he goes, I say shove it up your, you know, because I, I wasn't capable of uh, comprehending deals. <laughs> you know what I mean? I yeah, wasn't. No, I, 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 I was where I was. Right. And I say freaking cuss. I mean, you kidding me? You know, I was very hurt. I felt betrayed. You know, and um, but cuss. It's very powerful when your life is all one thing and you uh, what do you have? It gets to that what what do you really have? What do you leave? What what is what are you leaving? Like the only thing cuz have was boxing and the connection of boxing was champions. And the real connection to cuz with cuz was heavyweight champions. And that 
with all the sacrifice he made through his life, I was only thinking about the sacrifice I made, but with all the stuff that he made through his life, it almost wasn't going to have any worth without another heavyweight champ. And that became so powerful that I think he compromised himself a little bit, but I understood it as I got older. I didn't at the beginning. I had a lot of hate in me and a lot of... But I understood as I got older. I said, who the frick am I to tell a man that, you know, that he shouldn't have taken that side? Uh, you know, he should have stuck with me, loyalty, that all that stuff, you know, that was always important to me but and important to cuss. But who was I to to point a finger and say, hey, you didn't behave right? I mean, this is a guy who put his whole life, he didn't get married, like I told you, just to dedicate and commit to boxing. What would the what would he have at the end if he didn't have another heavyweight champ? Nothing. He gave up his whole life for it. And, you know, and that's what it... And he knew Mike was going to be. He knew. Uh-huh. I didn't know. I mean, when you asked me, when did, yeah. you asked me, when did I know? Yeah. When that happened, I kind of, if that makes sense, I kind of knew. I said, yeah, <laughs> almost like in a way, like, yeah, he'll go on and be, he'll come here. That kind of way almost, yeah. more. Like, you know, not not so much to, you know, the genius way, like Cus knew, uh, you know. Uh, it was you know. more like, yeah, he probably will go hey, on hey, and have hey, a way Watch, he'll become heavy. And next thing you know, he's fucking and knocking it, everybody out. And he'll make $500 million. That <laughs> 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 you could have got a 5% of, right? Uh, <laughs> I'm just fucking with yeah. No, no, I uh, mean. Whatever, things happen, right? You know, Who knows if I really could have? I mean, I learned that through life too. Who knows if that ever would have really happened? But but it didn't matter because it wasn't about five percent. It wasn't about the money. It's about the love of the sport. Yeah, right? and 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 it was about he did something wrong to my family after I trusted him and loved him and gave whatever I had to give to him, you know, as my job. But and trusted him, and you know. He um, he betrayed that, and and he threatened my family, you know, and he threatened me, you know, through my family. You guys are on good terms now, though, right? Yeah, I mean, listen, he's probably better man than me because he uh, he he came to me uh, years ago. I was doing, he picked a hell of a time to do it. I'm doing a freaking show live on ESPN Friday Night Fights and and he's there and it was up in Verona, Turning Stone Casino up in Verona, New York and here we are live and all of a sudden, you know, I haven't ever come into, you know, that kind of uh, contact all these years, obviously, uh, or that, you know, situation we had come seen each other, but never in this kind of way where, you know, I know he's coming and maybe by hap- accident, but now we know he come. All of a sudden, my director, my producer, my headset says, uh, Ted, don't want to throw you off. You know, and I'm in don't the middle. throw you off. <laughs> I'm in the middle of calling a fight to like hopefully many, many people watching, right, on ESPN. And I'm calling a fight. He goes, I don't want to, don't let this distract you, but uh, Tyson's coming over. Uh, to see you. You're probably uh, like, what? Oh, don't let this distract you now. Yeah, so I yeah, go in the yeah. talk back because you can go in the talk back, you know? I go in the talk back. Thank God I hit it right and it didn't come across because I didn't use the greatest language, you know? I was like, what the F are you freaking talking about? To, uh, coming where? When? 
what shoulder? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I got my boy. I got my brother, Saul. Saul uh, Avila. He he used to do the fight plans for me. Teddy has fight plan before the fight we did for years. And, and when I came out of retirement, I trained fighters. I, I took him with me as an assistant. I went to do the Olympics for NBC. I took him with me. He He's my He's like my brother, and um, very loyal. But and, he got there, Rob. Hold on. So, I'm trying to find. I can't. Oh, uh, okay. So, so I knew. I uh, he was there. You know, he was sitting behind me somewhere. So I. So Tyson's so behind you. No, no, Tyson's not there yet. So no. I, I just kept a finger and I said, "So let me know what shoulder he's coming on." <laughs> you know, and yeah. and and uh, so of course, right there, like a little pit bulldog, and uh, God bless. So, listen, he was better than me bigger than me he he was going through his thing his 12 steps and with uh addiction and all what he was going through and he was going through changes in his life and i guess his people told him and he himself came to the thought that he needed to make amends with certain things in his life for him to be right and um he came over and I, you know, and here we are in the air. You could have done it a little different, but, you know, I got up and I, I turn around. I, I don't know why, just that he's coming. And there it is. Was that, that, that's it the is. one right there? Yeah. <clears throat> and so, uh, so take me through this conversation here because you know everybody on the planet wants to know. <laughs> so I, I'm, you see I'm in a suit and tie. I took my jacket off just to be loose. <laughs> 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 no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What am I going to do with this guy? Uh, eat me up. I don't know. So, and, uh, so he, um, I turn around, there he is. That's it. And I let him talk, and he says, I'm sorry. And he says, I'm sorry. Can I shake your hand? He's got his hand out there. And, yeah, yeah. See, I didn't even see that. He goes, yeah. I'm sorry. Will you shake my hand? At first, I, I, I'm just hearing it. So my hand's not up yet. Will you shake my hand? And I'm um, sorry. And you can see in Mike's face, it's tough on him. And but he wants to do it, and he's doing what he feels is right, and I appreciate it. And but uh, you got to understand, I'm always going to say what I really feel. I'm not going to say for you or for him, or for, you know. I'm going to say what I feel. I it gives me the right then to 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 say other things if I can be straight. I wasn't sure. Like I don't trust people, and I wasn't sure is this real? Like you know. And then all of a sudden, you only got a flash second. I wasn't big enough to know. I'm I'm not afraid to, the, it, can I trust him? Like, what is this? You know, like, is this real? Is this photo op? Like, what is this? And, uh, you know, and all these years gone by, but it, you got a flash. And I said, freak, if he's big enough, he's got to be holding things too. If he's big enough to make this step, and say what he's saying, I'm sorry. Uh, what the frick am I? I I'm, who am I to say no and to judge him at this moment? I can only judge him and hope I'm judging him by that he's here and what he's saying to me. So I put my hand up and then we hugged. I, I think you got the next picture probably somewhere. And then, um, and then, and then I, we just, we hugged. And when we hugged, he said, I love you. Oh, that was nice. And, um, <clears throat> that was nice, man. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I, you know, I, he, I hope he's in a good place. It seems like he's in a good place, um, now in his life, you know, he, he's doing things and he's, 
it seems like he's he's happy, and I'm glad. You know, um, you think he'll come back and start fighting, fighting again? I well, think well I mean, he did that thing with without Roy. But. They do that thing. He's 55 years old, but they do those things now, like that. You know, they they do these. Uh, that was like an ex exhibition type yeah, thing. Yeah, but they do them now. I mean, you got Jake Paul doing his thing. You know, he's out there. Hey, give him credit. Give him credit. Give him credit. Fight Mike, I think he's crazy. No, no, he's not going to fight Mike. But, but, uh, I, I mean, unless there's a deal to be made there. But I don't, I'm not saying that. No. But, uh, no, even at 55, I don't think he's fighting Mike. But he he put it out there. But you give him credit. I mean, he, he figured out something, and he's making money at it. And he legitimately respected the sport enough to go out there and work his backside to learn the fundamentals the best he could. And is he picking the spots where he picks guys? But he's picking fighters, MMA fighters. They're not box. But he is picking guys. Are they older? The last guy was 47. Legendary guy, uh, Silver. But he he's taking a risk. He's still getting in there, taking a risk. Yeah, he's picking guys. But when did we ever knock... Fight. Mayweather used to pick his opponents pretty damn good. Now he's a great fighter. I'm not comparing him. But we didn't knock him. He used to be pretty smart at picking opponents, uh, especially later in his career. So we're supposed to hate on him for being smart. He, he's picking spots, but he's still a risk. He's still getting in the ring. He's still getting hit. And you know what? Again, he respected the sport enough to go and say, I got to get a trainer. I got to learn. He spent a few years learning. I give him credit for that. And he found, it's the American way, I thought. He found a way to make money without hurting nobody. Well, if you punch somebody, you could hurt him. But I mean, in, within a legal realm, and he's doing it. And and he's he's created he's created something where he took his 20 million followers from YouTube games and he took it into this arena. That's incredible. It is. I mean, if you think about it, you know, it's like, I mean, it's like he created his own matrix. That's, you know, it's got to be mind blowing for you from coming up the way you did and then yeah. seeing how things are Whole now. It's way. like, whoa. I mean, he's doing, at first I was against it. At first I was like, this ain't real. This ain't right. This, this is disrespectful to the sport. Uh, this is not fair to other fighters who really go through the, the journey they go through to try to make money. And he's making all this money right away where he hasn't gone through that journey. But then I let go of that. I said, he's he's going through his own journey. He was smart enough to figure it out. He was smart enough to f see that there was a place here f to do this. And he's taken a risk, his own risk to do it. it. There is a risk. There's an emotional and physical risk. He could get embarrassed to death and he could get hurt. He could get hit as much as he's hitting on. Even if he's picking guys that were MMA, there's still guys that were professional fighters. So... And bringing over millions of followers. He's bring, uh, it's into like the, the Rocky sport. movie. Yeah. People used to talk about the Rocky movie. The good thing it brought attention to the sport. Yeah, and and he's bringing more attention to the sport in that way. So in that way, he's not hurting us. People said, "Oh, he's hurting boxing." How? How? Well, How? That's what I was going to say. Do you think? And, and again, this is just my opinion. I loved boxing. I still do like boxing. MMA, I really, really like. I think my generation has appreciated MMA more than boxing because we used to always say, like, now Tyson Fury is a different thing, but you don't have that heavyweight guy like the Mike Tysons, the Lennox Lewis's, the Evander Holyfields, like all those guys. And for some way, and this is just my opinion, you might disagree with it, boxing had died. And 
now you have this resurgence again, I feel. And even though Jake Paul, call him what you want, he's kind of made the emphasis back on boxing again. And do you think for the younger generation that that has helped him, Jake Paul has helped, and I mean this in a nice way, the the death of boxing bringing it back? Well, that's to your point is a pretty good point. I just thought watching it too. I used to watch it. Remember, remember, Teddy. Everybody used to go on Friday nights, Saturday nights. Yeah, we, especially when we were kids. You know, in high school, coming right out, we would all wait for the big fight. One person would buy it on pay per view or whatever, and the house would be full. We'd bring in the jungle juice that we weren't allowed to have, and everybody was there. Fucking fast forward, maybe. Yeah, I mean, but UFC kind of took over that spot. I couldn't get in. You know, Tony's kind of got our buddy Tony. He's kind of he's getting me into it in Bass, right? And he got me into it. But before those guys, UFC, I like boxing. You know, I'm I was a boxer. I like boxing. That leg kicking and all that thing. That to me, that was like karate. That just was odd to me. You know, it, it was it was to me. It was this sounds crazy. Being having been a boxer, it's not. It was too brutal. It seemed so brutal, like and a light was. kick to the head. It was, and, like, and it still is. But there's more to it. I understand that now. You know what I mean by from talking to UFC guys because I didn't understand the. I didn't understand you know the practice of it, the training of it, like this spot, that spot. Okay, this guy gives you a leg kick. You know, you move your head a little bit to to lose some of the impact. The science. Initially, I'm just watching. I'm like, God. This is some brutal shit. You know, I like to watch two hands up. It is brutal. And just go back and forth. But it's also that special. They're very special. But what I'm saying with Jake Paul is like, from my generation I'm talking about, you you know, you people can rattle off Mike Tyson, Lennox Lewis, Evander Holyfield, Bernard Hopkins. This generation forgets them. They They don't don't even know them. They don't know them. But if you ask this generation to name a UFC fighter, they can start rattling some off. If you ask them to name a boxer, Tyson Fury would probably be the one that's uh, number one on everybody's list. And Canelo. And Canelo. That's about it. And that's about it. Pacquiao. So by Jake Paul doing this, do you think he's kind of, again, in my opinion, brought boxing back from this part where the younger generation has no clue to say, hey, here's this sport, here's these guys, and maybe it'll kick off something more from there? You know when you go, when a new restaurant opens up, they put those beams up in the air you know, to get your attention to go to this new spot? He's been a little bit of that beam in the air, a little bit. I'm not going to go crazy here with this, but to his point, to your point, it's a good point. Um, the people weren't resonating with the guys today for a lot of reasons, but the young crowd, um, this generation, they they weren't resonating with remembering the Tysons and the Mayweather even and those guys, but Jake Paul got their attention. So did he service that spotlight to a certain extent in the cloud where he reminds you there's a new place over here, there's a place that was over here, and you kind of forgot about that place? And it's a new place to some of these kids because they didn't know about it. So I think, Paul, to a certain extent, that's a good point that he he has done that um, to that extent um, a little bit. Uh, it, it's kind of again back to the Rocky movies. Like he's got people talking about boxing. He's got people the crossover people, people that Warren talking about before the lost generation. Again. Yeah, yeah, uh, the lost generation uh, a little bit, and and that's I mean all the other sports are on major television. Boxing is basically cable. So how do you know about it? how do kids 
really, how do kids connect with the guys you're talking about anymore unless there is somebody out there crossing over a little bit reminding you that that this is here? Like, yeah. it's hard for them to connect with everything being on cable now. You know, I mean, you you got Showtime, you got, but it's all cable. And and then you got pay-per-view and... and but here's an example, Teddy. Like, the fight that was just uh, Triple G, the last fight. Too old. Too old, okay? He, he held in now. Yeah, I give, but you know he he did hell in. But maybe Canelo's overrated. Yeah, but just, uh, the haters out there, they got their knives out no, now, I, and that's I, okay. I think he, no, I agree with you. I, I oh, think he's Canelo's getting old. Overrated. He's getting a little old too, but I think he's overrated. I think he's but, a little bit overrated, but I think too. he's getting a little long in the tooth. But my point was like uh, before when there would be a big fight, you would see that commercial for pay per view. Two weeks before the fight, it would be on every but that's, station. But that's to the point. That's now, what I'm saying. He's, Teddy, I didn't even know when the fight was. Tony told me. Again, that stuff's hidden away too much now. And Paul, yeah, he's that light, bringing a little bit of uh, light to it, that something that was hidden away uh, is it's here again, um, or reminding people it's here. So, But when you yeah. think that, 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 Canal, or that the Triple G fight... Like, wouldn't you think that that would be on Like, real box. No, no, because people aren't stupid. People know that he was 42 years old. That yeah. that triple jail, 41, whatever it was. And the fight was happening five years too late. Yeah. How does, five I, years I too guess late my, my question for you is, as, as, as a, a boxing fan and as a UFC fan, and I have this funny conversation with my wife's uncle, who is an absolute boxing nut, loves boxing to the death of him, and I always joke with him. I'm like, yeah, old man. I go, boxing's dead. It's it's UFC that's taken over. And when you think about it, though, you see what UFC has done. Can boxing ever get back to this prominence where you had your Mike Tyson and everybody was Only one way. It? The healthiest place that boxing, you go back to the 30s, the 40s, boxing was the biggest sport than baseball. It was the biggest sport in the country. And... Things changed, but you go back to the 80s, and boxing was really, really healthy. Three reasons. Again, not complicated, simple. One, first of all, it was on regular free TV, so people knew about it. They could become household names like baseball players, like football players, like basketball players. That doesn't happen no more. So it was on free TV. It was on NBC, ABC's Wide World of Sports on Saturday afternoon, Sunday. You sat with your family. Let's watch the fight. That's gone. But the 80s had great fighters, great talented fighters. Guess what? There's some great fighters today. Some, Maybe not as many, but there's, there's very talented fighters today. Here's the difference. Here's the secret. Back in the 80s, they were fighting each other. The problem today is you got the talented fighters, the special ones. See, back then, but back then you had Sugar Ray Leonard, great fighter. You had Tommy Hearns, great fighter. You had Roberto Duran, Pernell Whitaker, all great fighters. They were all fighting each other. Marvin Hagler, all fighting each other. That competitiveness it's not just the name they're putting on fights where you can make an argument for either side today too often you got boxing where you got four or five power brokers in this sport there's no czar there's a national commission in in you know all the other sports there is none in boxing and there's a one guy in mma and UFC, that's Dana White. He he creates the rules. You know why they've grown? Their brand has grown. One of the reasons, every fight is competitive because it's his way or the highway. He He's thinking about the brand. He's thinking about the sport. Yeah, himself. Yeah, the business. But it's, it's the whole sport. 
These promoters, and it gets healthier, and then it gets healthier. It trickles down to everybody. Yeah, what Dana White did is <laughs> no, amazing. it's it's, it's great, amazing. but it's simple and complicated. He said he was the czar. He was the dictator. Yep. You know, dictators could be okay, I guess, if they're not lobbing heads off. You know, sometimes yeah. where he says, okay, everybody's gonna, everyone's gonna be in a competitive fight. No free lunch. No layups. No, you know, no slam dunks here. You know what? Go over to boxing, my sport, the sport I love, 50 years in this sport. You got you got four or five power brokers, the big name, you know, whether it's Hearn, whether it's Warren, whether it's Bob Arum, whether it's De La Hoya, who's the other guy that's hiding on me? Um, whoever it is, you got those power brokers, right? Uh, Al Heyman, PBC, and... They're with their sugar daddy. Yeah, I'm not afraid to say their sugar daddy is the network. Their network keeps them going. So they're with their individual networks, and all they care about is their piece of property. They're not caring about the whole sport. All they care about is their little piece. Guess what? Sometimes their little piece hinders the rest of the sport. So they got a guys, they got their stable 30, 40, 20, 50 guys, whatever, and they ain't let him go across the street to make that fight we had in the 80s. Lennon versus Ohm, uh, Lennon versus Hearns, uh, Hagler versus Lennon. This one for uh, whoever it was. They're, Duran, they're not allowing that if they're not signed with them. Yeah. So they, you got to go across the street to make the fight that the fans want that's going to make the sport healthy again that you guys are talking about. There, there it is. No, you ain't going across. Why can't I go across? Because you're with me. You're with me, and I only care about me and my network and and getting undefeated records and building guys up and, and keeping it in-house. I'm not letting it go out of house. So they don't let it go out of house. And what happens? The sport shrinks. Yeah, I said it. The sport shrinks. My sport, the sport that I love. The truth. It, it, it has shrunk because of that. And guess what's not shrinking? You UFC. And, and, and again... It's not complicated. It's simple. All they're doing is putting competitive. Every week you put it on. You might put a fight on ESPN or on Showtime or wherever, and, and you're just going to see a guy that's got no chance. No chance. And and you see, not once in a while they throw your bone, but you see too many of these non-competitive fights that they're just building their guy up, building their guy up, getting them ready to make more money but and keeping the network happy, but not the fans. And, and then... All of a sudden, you put on UFC week in and week out, and the guy could have seven losses, six losses, five losses. It don't matter if he's undefeated. You know why? He went through the fire. He got forged. He learned how to fight, and he's dangerous, and he could beat an undefeated guy. You get upsets. You don't get too many upsets anymore in boxing. You you get upsets, and people love upsets. Oh, my God. I'm going to watch this show on UFC next week because they're all going to be good fights. Oh, who are these guys? This guy got five. Don't matter. He's a monster. Uh, because they are. He, they're all competitive. And, and every and, and week. Every one of those fights, you never know. It's going to be competitive every week. Every week. And that, that's all you need to know. Yeah. And that's what's selling. What and got me into it. There it is. And I'll tell you what. I have a podcast. And pardon me for being so for just taking it on myself to say it on Oh, no, on I want you to say platform. it. No, of course. I, no, we're going to have it in the description yeah. and everything. We got I, your clothing I, site to pull I, up. You got all kinds of good stuff. But the podcast, I don't know if it's a two years ago, whatever it was, year and a half, whatever ago, we went to another place. What's the name of the podcast? Uh, it's The Fight with Teddy Atlas. And that will and, be in the description, everybody. Make sure you yeah, check it out, subscribe. You. He's a great guy. Appreciate it. 
uh, you guys. I, the point I'm making here is we grew to another place when we started covering UFC. I never thought I'd cover UFC. I got to be honest. I'm a, I'm a lifer, right? Boxing life. Well, UFC, come on. Brutal. Oh, it's barbaric. I, I got I got to say what I was thinking. Barbaric. That's Caveman. what I was thinking too. Yeah. yeah. Caveman. And then I started watching it. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. My sport's to tough. A lot more to it. But I just got, we got to deal with lefts and rights, punches. They got to deal with kicks, knees, <laughs> elbows, <laughs> elbows. And then you got, and then that's only standard. Then you got to get on the freaking floor and you got to deal with something called jiu-jitsu <laughs> and, and grappling and wrestling and, 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 every, and karate. And karate. Oh, wow. And then I'm thinking, these guys, are, they got to deal with all that. I, I mean, you know, we, we get, we get upset when we drive through a snowstorm, you know, that, that you say, Joe, you got to follow the line. Like, it's hard to navigate. These guys got, like, cows coming at them and <laughs> dogs and cats and rocks. and uh, <laughs> I mean, and they're driving through that in the ring. I mean, it's equivalent to that they, with the knees and everything else. So they got all this stuff to negotiate, all this stuff to deal with, and they got to get in there and deal with all of that and find science to it, find a way to deal with that. Otherwise, they would get obliterated, every one of them, in 40 seconds. Yeah. With, with, with the seriousness of this, with four-ounce gloves are you, and knees and kicks. And, and like I said, on the floor, I'm watching them on the floor one day, and I, I'm just amazed. I'm looking at it, and I used to get bored with that. Oh, that's boring. They're not standing. They're not doing my thing. They're not doing the thing I like. And then all of a sudden, I'm watching them saying, holy crap, I'm watching chess. I'm watching floor chess. But it's yeah. a little more brutal. But I'm watching chess. This guy getting his legs in this place, his hands. In, and those guys on UFC, the commentators are brilliant. They're great because they teach you. you know, whether it's DC or Rogan or, or, or uh, Bisbang or Bisbang, uh, uh, John Anik. Or, yeah. uh, there, there's a couple of them I'm missing. But they, they're telling you what's going on. Oh, if he gets his hand in here, he's in trouble because he'll be in an arm lock. You're right. And they it, break it down real simple yeah. so you can understand And then you it. start saying it's not, they're not just, it's not it's just not. a cafeteria at, at high school where a couple of guys are on the and floor. And anything goes. You know, yeah. well, they, these guys are maneuvering. And like you said, and this is, I compare things to uh, football, like, and, and this is my weird thought process that I had. So you're talking about boxing where you don't see the guy who has to grind or not grind, I don't mean like that, uh, fight a good guy get his ass kicked he learns from it he becomes better and then eventually he takes on the champ um even with football at the younger levels all the way up they build these super teams now so at 12 years old you got a super team in high school you have a super team in college you have a super team nfl is a little different because there's a salary cap and you can't buy all the super guys true the guys that you know in college i compare it to Guys that go to Alabama, Nick Saban's a great coach, gets five stars, four stars, great teams, all that type of stuff. When you become surrounded by five stars, yeah, you're good, but you kind of can relax a little bit, doze off a little bit, right? Our team's good. Again, we're stacked. We're this or that. The guy that goes to that small little college who has to bust his balls and take the hits and get his ass kicked and all that type of stuff, when he gets to the NFL, those are the guys you're seeing, the Cooper Cups of the world, the guys who had a, a grind and bang. And the guys you think these first-round draft picks become nothing 
because they didn't take the licks in the banks because they were put on these super teams. So I'm, I'm, I know I'm comparing two different. No, no, no. You're right on the button. But, yeah, but, they, they got the line. On the so they, they got the line of the but, world, but, so they but, don't but get I, hit. But I, you're on the button. But I think we're destroying, and I say it in the youth level too, because I compare everything to the youth level. I know it's crazy. He coaches. Sports. He coaches. He sports. It's you know nothing big, but we put together not we. They put together it's the all super big. teams. Got to start somewhere. It, it starts there. You're putting together the super team when they get to high school. You put together the super team what happened with you know you went to this school you lived in this neighborhood you played and there was competition rivals there's not competition yeah. anymore there isn't kids leave and they go to the st thomas aquinas of the world down south there in fort lauderdale great school amazing powerhouse they beat the shit out of teams what does it do for the rest of the sport it destroys it because kids quit because they're tired of getting pounded because all the good ki- and whatever it is it is but it, it should be where you want to challenge. I don't want to just go and steamroll a team and steamroll a team and steamroll a team. I want to fucking challenge, and that makes you better. I mean, I know it's two different sports. No, no, no. It's, it's, same it's, principle. No, I'm going to I'm going to jump on it right here. You see too often with what I described with the power brokers that have their stable fighters, and all they care about is their little piece of property, and so what they turn ESPN whatever into really. A lot of people ain't going to like this, but they turn it into a breeding ground. They do. They turn it to your point. They turn it in really to a farm system where they're developing farm kids for the pros. Mm-hmm. So, and at the at the peril um, of everybody else, where everyone else is an opponent. So they take, they're signing this kid out of the Olympics, the, the top athlete in, in his area that you're talking about, the, the five-star athlete, whether it's the McDonald's in basketball or whatever it is in football, the equivalent. But the five-star athlete, they take him and they put him in this special place where they destroy everyone. And so now, does he really develop anymore? So I know he's got his talent. We get it. But what does he really develop inside? What other things does he do? Like I've been talking about with other things. So now in boxing, they go and they sign up these kids that are the equivalent of the five-star athlete, uh, the kid from the Olympics, silver medalist, gold medalist, bronze medalist, 300 amateur fights, right? And they sign them up. And they say, okay, now here's your contract. You're on ESPN now. Here's the deal. You're going to be on TV. Normally you wouldn't be on TV with someone else. You're going to be on TV every week. And we're going to build you up. And they do. And they put them in with guys that really shouldn't be in the ring with them. And they're going and they're going right through them. Like a hot knife through butter. 2-0, and 3-0, 4-0, 5-0, 6-0, 7-0, 8-0. Just like nine. a super and, team. Yeah, same thing. Same thing. He's right on the button. And they're just going, but what are they really learning? What did they develop? Nothing. Some of them are actually, actually. Getting worse. It's a detriment to them. Yeah. Because they're getting bad habits. Because they're getting away with it. Because they can get away with it. Where they shouldn't get away with it. And bad mental habits. Where Everything is assumed that it should be given to them. Everything is automatic, that they don't have to find a way through something. You know what your greatest talent, your greatest ability is? Just the ability to find a way sometimes. That's simple. Oh, Teddy, don't you want to make it more complex? No, it's not more complex. Find a way. It ain't working. Find a way. They don't have to find a way. That's something that's not being used in them, not developed in them anymore. It should be developed in all of us all the time. So you take that away. So now these kids, they become 20 and all, 15 and all, whatever. Network, ah, we got undefeated guys. And now they got to fight a real guy. 
and every once in a while they fall on their face because they didn't get what they really needed. They had the talent, but they didn't develop it, to his point. They, mentally, emotionally, technically, they didn't develop it to that level. They didn't go through the fire. You know the UFC, the, the what he's talking about? The UFC, they're forced to go through the fire and get forged and to develop it. They're forced to. And so they get three losses. In boxing with these guys, it's a death sentence. Oh, my God. He's got a loss. We can't put him, highlight him on, on our network. Yes, you can. Because all that matters is he can fight. And he will fight. That's all. Back in the day, in the 30s to 40s, when boxing was what it was, there were guys that had 200 pro fights, 300 pro, like the great Henry Armstrong, uh, Sugar Ray Robinson, those kind of guys, Archie Moore. And... It didn't matter if you had a loss or two losses or three losses. You know why? You learned how to fight. You learned your craft. You could depend on you. You could rely on you. Reliability, dependability, that's a great trait. We forgot about that. Great trait. Great trait. Mm -hmm. So I want to hire a guy who's reliable. I want a friend who's reliable. Not who's the smartest necessarily or the richest. Or the, I want a guy who's reliable. That's a trait I want, a quality I want. We need that quality more. And everything. So now, in life. So, in life. In life. So now here you got, you got these guys back in the day where they lose fights, but they learn how to fight. They went through what they had to go through to become something real, a real fighter, to understand even what that was, to be a fighter, a professional, a guy who found a way to do things even when it didn't feel good, even when he had to overcome something. And... You don't learn that by being given layups and, and free lunches in life and trophies when you didn't earn a trophy. You don't learn that. You don't get that. You do the person a disservice. And we've done a lot of people disservices today in a society because of that. But again, to the point that we're talking about, those guys learned. They had 10 losses and they could freaking go win a world title back in those days because they were real, because of what they went through. What they formed. The UFC fighters, every week you put it on, you see a guy with eight losses, nine losses, and, and he'll go beat an undefeated guy. Or it'll be nip and tuck. Why? Because he wasn't given a free lunch because he had to really become a UFC fighter. And all that that encapsulates, all that that really means, mentally, emotionally, technically, physically. And we, we've taken that away now, yeah. to, to your point. In, in in many places, and um, and when you're working ESPN Friday Night Fights, are you you're seeing this with your own eyes? I'm watching you're watching it happen up. in real time, right? Yeah, you're like boxing just starting to fade, where the network is putting them in to make sure that they get ten, fifteen. When and when I was doing it for eighteen years run, we had um, we were using different promoters, and we were putting on up and coming guys in competitive fights sometimes, and we were getting some of that, some competitive fights. But here's the problem. When you go and you give the whole enchilada, you give the whole thing to one promoter like they have, mm. right? Where, where, and you give them a contract, right, guaranteed. Where, where, where is the incentive to put competitive fights on when they can just build a stable of these undefeated guys and and just make money off of that. Where's the incentive now to put week in and week in, week in and week out a competitive fight for the audience? The incentive is if 
there's another promoter waiting in the wings that if that show's not good, he gets the show. Give us something better. Competitiveness. You don't like one restaurant, the restaurant next door. Go to that restaurant. Mm-hmm. That that uh, we they took that away. So you, so you you got a guy who can use the network basically, as I said before, farm system just to build their own personal stable of fighters, regardless of what is on that screen, and the non-competitive crap that sometimes the fans again that it's chasing the fans away. It is deteriorating the fan base. Here, telling you as fans, it chased us away, and And that's why UFC again. We're repeating ourselves. We're being redundant, but that's why it's blown up, and it keeps growing. But I I think that's what has to change too. Is it's it's back to competition. It's back to you lose, you get back up, you figure out what your mistakes are, you move on, it makes you a stronger person. And Again, I just see it too. I and mean, I compare everything to the youth sports world just because I see it firsthand. And I just, you know, you got basketball teams, stacked super teams, and they're beating up teams 100 to 30. Yeah, it's absurd. What are you getting out of that? Like, what do you get out of that? And what are you doing to those poor kids? I mean, really, those kids that are going home and, and they lost 100 they to 30. The sport. Yeah. They quit they, the sport. That's the, see, that's the damage. Yep. They quit. Why? And then what do they do after why? they quit? Because why would they not quit? Right. Like, like I'm, you know, they get discovered, they quit. and you just and, got destroyed by 100 points. Because you're always going to you know? have, the way I look at it, you're always going to have, your, like you said, your natural athletes, your guys that are just, they're going to put up 50 points a game in basketball. They're good. When you put all those guys on one team, first of all, that's there's only one ball to go around, which is always the thing. Who's going to get the ball? But if you have these guys, <laughs> if you have these guys split up on these youth teams, this guy's a, guy A is good, guy B is good, guy C is good, and they're all split up, and they're working now with average players, maybe not to their low average mediocre. They can make those players better. And then in, in the general run, it makes the competition better because now I'm battling against the guy who is the my same person who is equivalent and is going to bring out a yeah. better drive in me. Oh, but when I stack the team, it doesn't help anyone. It just ruins the sport. Well, to the point we were talking about, these fighters don't get better. They don't learn what they're going to need when they fight the real guy. They're not gaining it. And I'll take it one other step. They were doing a disservice to us in general, to us, us, to this great country, where not everyone's going to be a professional basketball, baseball I think we get that football mm-hmm. fighter. They're not. But going through what they're going to go through, if they're allowed to go through it in the proper phase of things, the proper process through the adolescence of sports, which I think is very important for a lot of reasons, more than just taking care of your body, more than just throwing a baseball or football or basketball or whatever, where they're going to learn life lessons. Yep. They're going to learn that you don't give up. They're going to simple things. They're going to learn that you can figure out a way to beat a better team sometimes. You'll see these upsets where you see that they, but they win against sometimes better team, better athlete, but they're better organized. They're better drilled. They're better technically. They're more controlled. They're tougher mentally. And, and they'll pull off an upset against better players. Now, some of those kids that do that or part of that, they're not going to go on to the NBA. They're not even going on to Division One, you know, sports necessarily. 
But they're going to go on to be our teachers, our doctors, our lawyers, Correct. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. everything that we need, our lifeblood of this country. Yeah. You know, our carpenters, our whatever you want to freaking put on that list, they're going to go on to be those people. And what they learn there through those trials and tribulations, through just through those lessons that I just talked about, that you guys have been talking about, Amen. that that is going to what's going to allow them to be those guys, to be better in their field, to be good enough in their field to help other people, to to be part of this fabric of this country. And on top of that, when he when Rob told me that they took woodshop out of uh, school, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe well, they took woodshop out and art. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe. I mean, woodshop was the only one, only thing that was kind of like I, cool I, to go to. I <laughs> remember my kid, my my son Teddy, and. I remember he was about, I don't know, playing CYO basketball. And I guess he was about nine. Maybe even, yeah, a little cute little guy. And and I'm at all those games, you know, when I'm not away in training camp or doing ESPN, but I'm always getting back, taking red eyes, coming about, doing what any father would do. And I'm there in the gym for this game. And I remember one game, he he won the game. <laughs> Every kid should have a chance to do that. That's it. Just have a chance to do that. Mm-hmm. And there was like seconds left. And they didn't have the ball. So th- it looks like they're going to lose. And he steals the ball. He dribbled. I know it's like I'm making it up, but I, it's true. He he dribbled and he he just dribbled, dribbled. And I'm looking at the clock. Oh, oh. It could get a little closer, but don't wait too long. Oh, my <laughs> God. Don't wait too And sh- and just nails it, and he wins. Gosh, and man. and everyone jumped on him. I thought he was gonna get killed. He's a little <laughs> thing. They they got him on the floor. They smothered him. The whole thing. Isn't that what and, it's all about, though? But here's yeah. the thing. To your point, you guys, and that's why this show's important to bring stuff like. Really, I mean that. He he was never gonna go on being an NBA player. But you know what? When we left there. I remember talking to him, telling him how proud I was, and he felt so good. Yep. And and where else could you get that? Not too many places. And then I remember putting my arm around him and saying, never forget, never forget that you could count on yourself. I never forget saying that to him. You know, I'm, I'm coming from a place where in my world, so I'm thinking things like that, I guess. But still, I just said to this nine-year-old kid, eight-year-old, whatever he was, I said, always remember, buddy, I used to call him Buddy. I still do. Buddy, remember, you you could count on yourself. And and just that, that that state with a family, yeah. that you could rely on yourself, that you could trust yourself, that you you could find a way. That lesson helped him through everything else, which I'm very proud of. I, I, my daughter's a lawyer. I'm so proud of her. Congratulations. And, yeah, thank you. My son was the director of scouting in the, in the NFL, 14 wow. years in the NFL. Wow. Not for long, it stands for. Still and he lasted four regime changes with the Raiders, the Oakland Raiders, then the Vegas Raiders. Wow. And then the last crew that came in from New England, they got rid of everyone, and he didn't survive that one. Four of them, new administrations, he survived. So right now he's working for the NFLPA while he's waiting to get with another team. And That's he'll get with another team. He's Congratulations. Good. He's that good. Um, and, wow. and God willing, he will, and he will. But just little basketball and a little gym 
but okay. and and but and, and he, you know he he wasn't six foot three. You know he was never <laughs> gonna he, be. You know, he was never gonna be going to you know Duke. He was gonna be doing three six. He, he wasn't like going to North right. Carolina. You know what I mean? <laughs> but but he found he paid, out that day. Yeah, he found out that day that yeah, I I could count on myself. When when push comes to shove, is a little nerve. So I said to him, I broke it down. You know, I couldn't help it. Analytical, the box. Yeah, I said, boy, let me ask you a question. Um, how, how'd you steal that ball? He said, Dad. And he used to love watching sports with me. He goes, remember when we were watching the tape you were showing me of uh, Larry Bird? I said, yeah. And Magic Johnson. Uh, I said, yeah. He goes, well, I remember a game you were watching with me where you told me, and I was watching, I saw it, where Larry Burke stole the ball. You guys probably remember the game. It was a famous game. And at the last second, they won the game. And he said, so I did what he did. I said, I didn't even know. I said, well, what did he do? He goes, I hid behind the guy. He goes, so I hid behind the guy, and when he went to make the pass, I came out. And and then I said, well, how did you, like you shot it at like pretty much the perfect spot. You got clo- close enough. He said, I knew when I did it, you always tell me to be aware of your environment. And we always would say that because, you know, uh, beware of everything. So I knew that there was three seconds left. So I counted one 1,000 and I counted to two. Sure. <laughs> and then I shot. That's I said, wow. I said, that's... That's a. That's I, I was so proud of yeah. him. I was like, "Oh my goodness, Fucking I, I, smart!" I said, "That's <laughs> a, that's a genius." <laughs> yeah. Where'd you come from? Like, you, 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 <laughs> Are you sure I'm your dad? <laughs> you didn't get that from me. I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, but that, no, no. But that's where I think. I think in in youth sports and in general, I think everything starts there, right? Of course, we know it does, and 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 we're doing a disservice to ourselves by what we're doing. Uh, as it could be boxing, it could so be true. baseball, it could be football. Uh, one last story I'll tell you quick, it, it, just because it, it's really a passion of mine with, with these kids. We had this kid, he must be 250 pounds. He's 12 years old. It's a big boy, Gee. big boy. 250. He gets picked on. He goes to my son's school. He gets picked on in school for being fat. Well, he doesn't realize his own strength yet. He's big kid. <laughs> so we had we so. asked him to play football. His mom was hesitant. Oh, you know, he doesn't really play football. He doesn't have a dad, at least that I know of in his life. Good, real good kid. So he comes out the football field, big boy, looking at the other kids, looking. I'm like, God damn. And he <laughs> he starts off. He's just there's nothing. It's trying to teach him the basics, the footwork, the steps, all this type of stuff. Almost like the movie Blindside. Yeah, uh, c- correct. That's what I compare it to almost. So he's just very, and he doesn't really push into people he's big so season goes on season going on. it gets a little better still not great so we have one last practice couple two weeks ago and uh, i do the old rudy skit where you have the kids on both sides and i'm holding the bag i give him the 20 yard running head start just hit me crush me hit me <laughs> so whatever they come they hit the bag hit the bag hit the bag he's the last one to go the whole team gets around him and starts pumping him up kid hardly speaks a word right they do that and comes flying down and rails me like hits me i'm like whoa where the fuck did that come from his our season just then his mom came up to me and she says you know thank you guys for everything you did this year khalil can't stop talking about how he wants to play football again 
and how he realizes he may be big, but he's 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 mighty. And that right there was enough for me. I said, that's why you do this. You need why you do it and why it helps kids. And by by doing these super teams and these power teams and all this type of stuff, you may lose kids like that. And he has potential. He's a big kid, and who knows where he can go from here. But yeah, anyhow. Uh, it's a great story. Anyhow. But it's an important story, and it's what we spend a lot of time on here. Is that it? It's those things that were taken away from these kids being able to learn that they need somewhere to learn those things somewhere for those things to get introduced to them to be absorbed by them they need somewhere and they get it in a little league they get it in, and when you when you take that away and you say oh you know it's only about the elite athlete then you're taking away all these kids that become the people we talked about before because they learned those lessons because they developed those attributes because, like my son, my son survived four regime changes over at Oakland and Vegas. And, and, that's, and that's a rough and, team to be. No, every time. And he survived every time. He was still kept, except the last time. Every time they made a mistake, by the way. Look, look at the way they're playing. Yeah, yeah, no, and I'm just kidding. Well, I, I don't know. <laughs> we can pull it up right now if you want yeah, to. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah look, they lost 24 nothing to the Saints uh, last week. Uh, <laughs> not that I'm keeping score. Right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> not that I get any satisfaction out of that. Uh, at all. No, no, not, not at all. Not at all. Not at all. Not at all. I'm, I'm above that. Don't worry. I'm, they're going to get I'm big. I'm bigger than that. But, they're gonna get destroyed next week. Don't yeah, worry. I hope. I mean, no. I mean, I said I. I, I uh, you wish uh, the best. Yeah, I wish the best. For them. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. So, but again, if he's not playing in that little gym basketball, right? And we're just having the guys that are over six foot playing or whatever. But if he's not playing that game, maybe he doesn't learn what he learned right there that day. Yep. And that heavy kid. That finally got the kids root behind him. That didn't maybe have the self confidence. Now went and hit that bag. Probably almost knocked him over. Yeah, <laughs> almost did. Went home and now he can't wait to play again. And now he feels good about himself. A hundred percent. You know. And where's and that now, gonna? And, and where's he, that gonna take him? That's gonna take whether it's football, business, whatever. whatever. That that moment right there with him probably changed his whole entire life. I agree. Especially when the mom comes and says, "Hey, you know." From a kid that doesn't really talk, all he could talk about is football next year. It that, that's what they're fucking taking away from everybody. One hundred percent makes it opens the door for a life for this kid, not just a life that would have been missed. And what these people don't understand is it's not it's not just about the sport; it's about going through that wherever it leads you. One hundred percent, you know. That's why everyone shouldn't can't get a trophy. No, because then there's crazy. no separation. It's crazy. Correct. Why would I go in a ring and get my head pounded in if everybody's going to get a trophy? Why? Why would you go in a ring and get your head pounded in if everybody else is going to get a trophy too, whether they take the blows like I do or not? So, so you and I go in, we both train like crazy, run in the sand, do all the crazy shit, get popped a gazillion times and win, but then the guy next to me who threw one swing and got knocked out in the first round, but I went eight and took a ton of blows... He gets the same trophy or necklace that I did. Yeah. That I would, I would quit. I'd be like, I'm not doing this. This is insane. I'm not going to go and you know risk my brain every day and my life and give up, you know, nine months out of a year for what? 100. percent I mean, I mean, and that's not 
that I'm not being competitive. I'm super competitive. But if there's not, nothing to be competitive for, <laughs> what's the point? It's true. And, and that's how bad it's gotten. I'm just glad it didn't happen when I was going. But now I have a kid, you know, and she's two. I hope this shit changes because it's bad. I have grandchildren. I have um, beautiful grandchildren. My son has a little four-year-old boy. My daughter has a beautiful three-year-old girl and a five-year-old boy that just turned three and five. Um, my, I don't see my grandson enough. They still live in Vegas, but we're praying that he's going to get a job on the East Coast. Yeah. Uh, but Maybe. whatever. Um, but we, we we go there. He comes here. He's coming in. Coming in for the foundation dinner that's coming up. Actually, he's going to come to the garden with me. ESPN has me go figure. Fifty years in boxing, they don't got me covering boxing. Anymore. It's all right because they're smarter <laughs> than me. But but they got me covering that's the funny. UFC uh, at the garden. That big show with Adesanya yeah. on top and oh, yeah. and Poirier and Chandler. Unbelievable. Congratulations. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to cover that one. And Teddy's going to fly in. His family's flying in there for the dinner for the foundation dinner November 17th. But that fight at the garden is like five days earlier so he's gonna come with me and so i'm ex- you know i'm ex- i'm excited i'm i'm excited about that um last question then i'll, I'll pull some things do you think foy mayweather is the best defensive fighter you've ever seen no but he but he's a damn good one but but pernell widow was damn good people forget about him yeah. he, he was freaking good um the you know we've had guys mayweather is one of the most accomplished to, to get to where he's gotten as a great defense. That being his his forte, you know his his greatest asset was his defense, um, and of course his counter punching that came off of that, you know, and everything else. But um, what was the one fight we were saying, Rob? That that we actually that he actually got hit pretty good. There was one fight he he took some blows. Who, could, who laid one on him? Who? No. Well, he did catch him. You're right. Sugar Shane caught him a punch, but then um, uh, he fought Castillo uh, uh, on the way up. You know, uh, in, uh, early in the Castillo, the one that, that got a lot in, got a lot in on. There was well, one. There was, was one very fight close where he fight. actually got like he really actually took some hits. Yeah, there's, there's been a couple. I mean, he's a fighter. I mean, I, you know, I always talk about on my podcast. It's not enough to know how to fight like a fighter. You better know how to behave like a fighter. So at the end of the day, you know, that's what separates the real special ones. They also know how to behave like a fighter, you know. And and Floyd, obviously, if his talent kept him from showing that all the time where a lot of people say, I'm not sure about this guy. This, you know what I mean? Because he, And then when he had to, he showed it. That kind of takes me, you know what that takes me to? Takes me to Duran and Sugar Ray Leonard. Sugar Ray Leonard was, I think, one of the greatest fights I ever saw. And Duran, too. And when they fought the first time and Duran beat him, a lot of people only saw Sugar Ray as a guy who knew how to smile, a guy who had a lot of talent, a guy who had seven up commercials, you know, uh, a guy who had charisma, uh, a pretty boy. But they didn't trust him yet, the real boxing guys. They didn't trust him that he was a fighter. Like they. They said, oh, he's just a guy with a lot of talent, almost like a spoiled kid. Like, like he's got too much. He's got too much. He's never tested. Like, it's almost like, almost like they resented that. It's almost. And then he fights Durant and fights him maybe the wrong way. He fights his fight. He fights inside with Durant. And he loses. But he gained everyone's respect. They were like, no, he's a fighter. He, he, you know, with all his wins, he was undefeated. And with all his talent and everything, he hadn't quite gotten people 
to buy into him in that kind of way into the Duran fight. After the Duran fight, he it was like, yeah, he's not just a spoiled kid. He's not just a talented kid. He's not just a kid with a great smile. He He's a fighter. And another thing that went with that, after that he fought Tommy Hearns, which was unbelievable. And Hearns was winning. And then he came back late in 11th round, 12, 12th round, whatever it was, 13th round maybe. It was a 15-round fight back then. And he came back, Leonard, and he stopped Hearns. He was losing a fight. I say to this day, to your point, to your point, to, to our point, to what we're talking about today to a great extent, if he doesn't take that fight and lose, he never beats Hearns. Mm-hmm. What he learned in losing that fight allowed him to beat Hearns. Mm-hmm. I, I, that's that's that, it. That's simple. Uh, you know, sometimes you got to lose to win. Yep. And... And that he really he would have lost to Hearns. There's no doubt in my mind if he hadn't fought that fight and lost and learned what he learned and gone through what he went through in the Duran fight. Who's the best fighter you've seen? Well, can I go back to like film or yeah, anything? Yeah, just like well, my o- favorite overall, just one. Who's who's the well, number one fighter you would pick if, if you had Henry say, Armstrong? Yeah, almost three hundred fights, two hundred something, whatever. Um, listen, this is all you need to know. I'm going to tell you a funny thing about Henry, and you guys know. are going to love it. Three hundred fights. Yeah, oh, well, close shit. to it. He had like a hundred and ten knockouts. Wow. Um, this is a guy. Jeez. Here's there's a there's a there's parts to this, but this is a guy who won. Forget about the junior titles back in those days. There was only one champion, first of all. 11 champs, whatever it was. That was it. Mm-hmm. Not not the you know the way it is today, all right, where there's 452 of them um, mm-hmm. or whatever and probably 500 different classes. Yeah. <laughs> so there was just a full weight class, that's it. No juniors, whatever. Okay, he wins the featherweight title. Pretty good. Damn, back in those days, everyone, tough fighters. Wins the lightweight title. Wins the welterweight title. Mm-hmm. And he defends all, all of them, all those titles. He defends them, featherweight, lightweight, and welter. And it gets better. He then decides to fight for the middleweight title against Severino Garcia, and he wins, fifteen round fight. But he didn't make a deal with the fellas, so they screwed him, and it was a draw. He won the fight, so he should have had featherweight, lightweight, welterweight, middleweight, but. So he had three full titles, and he defended all three. This guy was a monster. And he had the best fighting name, nickname. He had a couple, but the one I loved the best, Homicide Hank. <laughs> that is good. That's, that's a great name. When you got I a, not, when you got a, alone, I'd be like, oh, when shit. When you got a phone call. Uh, see, back in those days, they were all tough guys. You know, they were all grizzled guys. Like, uh, okay, when, you know, when, where. You know, that's what they needed. When, where, how much. Okay. A little different with the So, okay, you got to, I got you a fight. You know, the the guy, the agent, their manager. Got you a fight in two months. Okay, where? where? And, uh, okay, all right, how much? Yeah, okay. Who, who is it? I'm going to say that. Click. <laughs> the phone went dead. <laughs> and, I, I mean. And who was the biggest? So you have, like, your Mount Rushmore, right? He's your guy up there, but. Like who? Uh, I guess who's the? I always ask this question. Like people we have in like the who's the biggest dick in the sport that you remember growing up, or even even throughout it. That was like, man, this guy's just a prick. He's just all talk. He's just a mouth. 
any of those guys? I mean, I'm sure there's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of mouths out there. Which one do oh, you narrow yeah. it down to, right? I don't know if I could come up with one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm trying to think. There's that guy that just runs his mouth, but he's just a complete dick, too. Sometimes they do it for show, right? Oh, yeah. For that. Because, look, it's an entertainment business. Yeah, you want to make money, right? Correct. So that's part of it. There's no doubt. And they, they create these personas. Sure. No doubt about it. Um, it's Hey, look, Ali was one of those guys that talk, 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 but he backed it up. You know, he, he backed it up. But uh, he knew what he was doing. He wasn't always only one of the greatest fighters of all time. But maybe one of the greatest promoters, if not the greatest. Yeah. Uh, people miss that. You know, he was a great promoter. Uh, so I wasn't alive when he was fighting, but I watched him because everybody would talk about him. You know what I mean? Because he was, like you said, he was he marketed himself unbelievably. Yeah. Ali, I mean, just you know, everybody knew. He was so witty. You know, he was so smart. Um, I mean, the things he would come up with. You know, he. Uh, it was just with the poems, you know, uh, the things. I I was a big Ali fan when I was a kid, and I would embarrass myself sometimes doing, doing, uh, you know, uh, imitations of Ali, like when he uh, was getting ready for the fight of the century. You know, Joe Frazier. Joe Frazier is so ugly that when he cries, his tears see his face, and they crawl back in his eyes. Oh, shit. <laughs> I mean, you yeah. know, not, that's not nice, but, but I mean, it, it was makes all, you want to watch it. Yeah, it was all, you know, and and then he said, Joe Free, Joe gonna come out smoking, but it ain't gonna be a choking. I'm gonna be a pecking and a poking, pouring water all over his smoking. And this may shock and amaze you. I'm going to retire smoking Joe Frazier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, yeah, like you yeah. said, I mean, you can't be a better promoter than that. I mean, you can't pay somebody on. to do better than I, that, right? He, I, mean, I remember Mickey Duffer was a great boxing guy from London, and I, I was, he, he, I trained some of his fighters, and he was the biggest guy over in London. But he was huge. He ran everything back in those days, and um, now it's now it's uh, Eddie Hearn and Frank of War uh, Warren's son. Uh, so, but back then, he he told me a story about Ali. He had Ali in England fighting somebody. Uh, I forget who it was, and he wanted to get his gloves and donate them to a charity, like to a hospital or some something where they were raising money for for the hospital. So he went up to Ali. Ali was a good guy, and he said, "Muhammad, I, can I get those gloves after your fight?" And he goes. Yeah, I yeah, he agrees to give them to him. So after the fight's over with, he, um, I think he stopped the guy. I don't remember what round, but say he was six, and um, so he gives him. He takes the gloves off right there at ringside. He's standing there, and he hands him the gloves. He said, "Thank you, Muhammad." And then Muhammad said, "Mickey, uh, look inside the right hand," and he looks inside the right hand. He will fall in six. And oh, yeah, sure. yeah, true story, you know, wow. yeah, and and you know, Ali would hit those things once in a while, you know. Hey, look, if you have your own music, the old timers would say, Bring your own music, you know what I mean? Like, if you had the right opponent, you could control it a little better, you know, you know, because he overmatched with some guys, but um, but he fought obviously a lot tough guys too, but um, he he would pick rounds, he was kind of famous for that, you know, he's he's 
uh, you know, you're going to fall in whatever round. And he would hit it. You know, he'd hit it sometimes. So that just added yeah, to, just his, added to uh, the his legend, intensity. his mystique, his, you know, uh, all that stuff. I love the meaning behind uh, 36, yeah. right? <clears throat> so tell us the meaning behind 36. You know, you got, what was it, 36 minutes in life? Yeah, it's 36 minutes because it's, you know, now it's 12 three-minute rounds, so yeah. 36 minutes. 36 minutes to make life fair. You know, it's a young guy that owns Box uh, Box Roars, the company, and he came to me a couple of years ago and to my daughter, the lawyer, and because no one could get me because I'm a caveman. They, can't, mm. they don't even know how to get me. <laughs> so he came to my daughter and said, listen, I'd like to do a clothing line, a 36 Teddy Atlas line uh, with your father if you'd be up to it. So the 36 that he came up with and he told the story, he said, you know, and he told my daughter, he's because she said, why are you calling it the 36 line? They're selling. I mean, yeah, they sold out of half your stuff. Yeah, they're, they're, it's a good product. Uh, they, He's a former fighter, and he really, he does a good job. The quality of the clothing is really top shelf. It really is. And he puts his heart and soul into it. And I'm, I feel privileged that he came to me to do a Teddy Atlas line. And... What he said to my daughter, my daughter said, well, why do you say Teddy Atlas 36? And he said, well, a couple of years ago, I was listening. I hadn't even started the company yet. I was getting whatever the idea of it. And I listened to Teddy on an interview, wherever it was, ESPN, whatever. And somebody asked him, said, what does boxing mean to Teddy Atlas? Like, what does it really stand for? Like, we, we understand, you know, the, the sport part of it, but beyond that. And he said, I'll never forget, your father said, well, for me, boxing means that no matter where you came from, no matter what your religion, your creed, your nationality, your race, you know, no matter where you were born, who your parents were, what you didn't have, how things might sometimes have, you know, been unfair and life treated you unfair, that on one given night, if you were determined enough, if you were trained well enough, if you cared enough, you could get in the ring and in 36 minutes, you could make life fair. And he said, as soon as I heard that, I was like, I'm going to do a clothing line. Uh, I'm going to get a company, which he was on the process of yeah. doing. Uh, and when I do, I'm going to get a Teddy Atlas 36 line. So that's the... that's. And where that came from. Awesome. And then we have your book. You ever think you'd be an author? <laughs> no. I mean, I was afraid to be. Yeah, I was afraid to put that stuff on paper. Yeah. I actually yeah. waited till my kids were old enough yeah. uh, to finally say yes because they had been asked earlier. I say, yeah, now they can hear now it. Now they're older, yeah. Yeah, they can hear it. Yeah. And, and it's uh, From the Streets to the Ring, A Son's Struggle to Become a Man. Yeah. Kindle, audiobook, paperback. We'll have all that in the description. I'll buy that one. I'm going to read that. And then you do uh, boxing audio. Videos, How come so? audio? So it's not free. Oh, I get. Uh, oh, with your trial. With your trial. Yeah, oh. you get a trial, and then okay. you can choose. Probably to buy. a piece of it, I'm sure. Oh. And then you have. Uh, you still. You're still doing this. The dynamic striking. Oh yeah, that's a that's become very important to me. Yeah, yeah. and it's really cool. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we we put up and we put instructional fight videos up on dynamic striking. And we've been blessed. They've done really, really well. Good and, to all videos, Rob? Yeah. You know what? Now there's there's 15 
and you guys could probably guess why I came up with old school 15 rounds. So I came up with 15 instructional on everything, like inside fighting, jab, um, you know, whatever it is, counter punching, defense, uh, you know, body punching. Each one is on individual specific things. And there's 15 of them. And then we got to a point where I wouldn't do any more. I said, you know, I can't do any more because I can't make stuff up now. What, you jump up on your left leg and you punch with your right hand? You, you know, I'm not going to do that. So these are the things I think you need to really be a complete fighter. So they, the two guys, they're, they're jujitsu guys. And um, before they came to me, everything they did was MMA, basically. So they came to my daughter to ask if I would do the boxing part, the striking with them, and bring that up to another place. Hopefully. And we've been very fortunate, very blessed. And when they, so they, they came, you know, they came to us and we, we did, you know, we, we did those. And, oh, there, there's my friend. There, there's a, yeah, I mean, you got some really, I, I'm almost, I'm, I'm the, you know, I'm, I, I almost feel embarrassed to be in that company. <laughs> I, I mean, you got all well, these. You got some haymakers. Yeah, uh, really. That, that row right there, buddy. <laughs> you got all the special guys. So we did, I said, we did 15 of them. And they came to me and they said, Teddy, is there any more? Uh, you, you have a voice out there, thank God. And people trust it. And we want to see if there's more. I said, well, no more instructional. 15 is enough, and it's right. It's the right number. But how about we do some mental ones? And they said, okay, what? I said, well, how about we do some on the mental landscape, which is the most important landscape, confidence, dealing with fear, controlling your fear, gaining more confidence, being able to keep, as I used to say, keep the ninjas from coming over the wall. True and attacking you, your imagination, all of the things that can com compromise us, even if we have great talent, even if we, we prepared hard. And how about talking about that? They said, we love it. And I said, and then how about doing one on something that's terrible out there right now that we really need, bullying, about kids that get bullied for the parents and for the kids, about bullying. And even taking it to a point where I break down what a bully is and that the weak one, and this is the thing that I said in my first one, I said, the thing I tell the ones who are bullied, you're not the weak one. The bully's the weak one. That's why he's trying to get strength from your weakness, hoping you're weak, and hoping that he can, you know, take advantage of that, that, that you won't fight back. And But he's weak to do that. There's an inherent weakness in him, and there's an inherent strength in you that, that you're... You don't have help. You don't have nobody around you. That You're not developed in this way. You're scared. And yet, you're still dealing with it. You're still finding a way to deal with it and trying to find a way to deal with it. You're the strong one. You embrace that strength. Recognize that strength. So I, they said, yeah, we love it. So it's, we did three more. So there's 18 altogether. And those are more on audio. And, and I said, we'll do one on the fear Controlling your fear for the average person. Controlling your fear whether you're going to a board meeting, whether you're going into a classroom, whether you're a doctor, you're a lawyer going into the courtroom, whatever you're doing, that 
talking to those people, to the regular people, not the fighters. Then we'll do another one to the fighters. And then we'll do the bullying one. So we got those out there. And um, they just went out last month, actually. So I, I hope. I hope they're doing well. Awesome. We'll have it uh, on the description. And uh, thank you, Teddy, for coming in. I hope you come back again because we could go another three hours, yeah. buddy. How long do we go? We're three, three and, and a half right I'm now. I'm sorry. No, I, we always do it. The, I, this is usual. I got, I got one more for him. One last question. Yeah. No, this is usual, Teddy. Really? The, yeah. We, asked we this, just sit like three guys and just hang out yeah. and shoot. That's how show. I felt. Yeah, that's, that's what good. we do. We, uh, we asked this question all the time. We forgot the last guest who it was. Who was our? Oh, we had Lenny Dykstra in. We forgot to ask oh, Lenny. Yeah. Lenny. Yeah, yeah. All right. Feisty guy. The GOAT of the NFL. Greatest of all time. Well, I mean. Quarterback. Quarterback? Quarterback. Oh, my goodness. Throw you that one. Let's see what yeah, yeah. he says. Because Tommy has I'm a gonna, choice. I'm going to get better. Don't say your choice. One. I'm not. I have I'm a not, choice, and I'm Tommy not. has a choice. Uh, you guys think I'm crazy because he he wore the high heels, high shoes, uh, high top shoes and stuff. Johnny Unitas. <laughs> oh, oh, all right. Oh, we haven't heard that. No, one because either. no. You know why? I'll, I'll tell you why. I, I get Tom Brady. I get uh, John Elway. I get uh, Joe Montana. I I get them all. I, I'm going to tell you why. There's a method to my madness. Uh, he did. He he actually saw a picture of him wearing the the high uh, leather uh, black shoes up high. It's crazy. He came out of Sandlot football. He was like basically playing Sandlot. He was playing semi-pro, whatever that freaking was, mm-hmm. and and they found him somewhere and and plugged him into the NFL. Now now Kurt Warner is great too. He came from Arena football. Yeah. So I love those journeys. Yeah. I love those. But this guy basically was playing like an advanced Sandlot for like thirty dollars a game, uh, and he he goes into the NFL and wins the Super Bowl and. You know, and he didn't have all the great talent that the guys today have, you know, with his arm strength and this and that, but he had this. And he had what we talked about before. Wherever that developed, it probably developed in the Sandlot. Thank God somebody didn't say you couldn't play freaking Sandlot anymore. <laughs> right, right. Otherwise, we wouldn't have, had, we wouldn't have had Johnny Yu. So that's you know, my. We yeah. forgot about Johnny. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot. I, yeah. I mean, I say Montana. He says I'm a Brady, Brady. guy. I think Brady. No, Brady's it's tremendous. Not- How could you not? How could you not love Brady? I mean, with what he's accomplished, what he's done, and what he's still doing at this age. Yeah. You know, um, you just don't know when when the spigot's going to be turned off. Because I, I always would say about the fighters, because it happens in my business, so I get asked this a lot. Uh, Teddy, uh, what what do you think, you know, makes a guy go too long? And, you know, you saw him. In my business, unfortunately, Joe Lewis, who I loved, um, Ali, who I loved, uh, some of them went too long. And I said the same thing that made him great, the ego, their belief, that it makes it, it. They can't turn it off, and sometimes it makes them go too long. Now I don't know if Brady's on that road where you know it end that way, or you know he he know when to turn it off because he's still doing it at forty five. But um, but this year has been a little different, and he's had personal problems and. God willing, they work that. There's a family. There's kids involved, and and you hope to God that they that they get to the right place for the sake of the kids and themselves. Um, yes, but, yesterday was finalized. Yeah, the divorce. Was. But you you could see he his, yeah, he, he looked a little skinny. You got that yeah. stuff going on. Yeah. So how much of that is attributing to you know him having a tough year? Of course, and he missed the camp. My son, the scout, he's yeah. the man. He he says, Dad, you forget he missed the 
whatever oh, part yeah, of the camp. Right. He f- missed part of the and <clears throat> he Forgot he, about that. He, and he was training. He said, Dad, he was leaving and going back home and and always practicing three days a week. He goes, that stuff matters when you're trying to connect with your receivers and, you know, everything else. They say his timing's off right now. Yeah, and okay. see what he just said? My son, he's got to get back. He will. He, he He's really good. He oh. said, he said, Dad, they're not on the same page. They will get on the same page. I said, really? He said, it's going to take part of the year. It's going to take a go. But at a, at the timing there, just the way he said it was just what I said first. They're not on the same page. And he missed camp. And he missed practices. And it means something. I never thought about that. Yeah. So, Who does he think is going to win? Who's your son? Who do you think your son's picking? Uh, he tells me, he told me before the season started, he said Philadelphia is good. And you just made uh, his my man. And, 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 and I'm tell, a Philly guy, too. I'll tell you what else he told me. And I don't think every scout would have said this. They are fucking good. (laughs) He's feeling good. I'm glad. Um, This is what he told me. He said, Dad, I like this guy hurt. I said, really? I said, a lot of people, you know, I I hear this stuff. I'm no expert in football. I'm not Vince Lombardi. But I, you know, that he's more of a runner back. He's physical. He's this. He's that. He goes, Dad, the guy's got character. Mm -hmm. He said, do you understand? He said, Dad, they pulled him in the national title game. They pulled him. They they pull him out. They pull in, put in uh, Tua. And Tua's tremendous, what he did. Unbelievable. But they put him in there, and he's he's just done. He's forgotten about. He, he's on the shelf. And what does he do? He doesn't give up. He doesn't sulk. He doesn't Sorry. whatever. He transfers to Oklahoma, and look what he does. Look what he does there. And he, he said that. This kid's got that stuff inside that you talk about. Well, fighters and stuff and that I look for, that I've learned to look for, not just on film, that you, other stuff deeper. He said, he's got this. And, and I'll tell you, he's becoming a quarterback. Yeah, he's strong as hell. He's got legs that are unbelievable. He is so strong and powerful, you know, but he, he's becoming a quarterback. And he said, don't count this kid out. And and when he said it, it was before you know this year. I was like, really? That's the guy you're <laughs> you're picking? He said, "I'm telling you, Dad. You watch. He's going to surprise people." And now look. And <laughs> so far, so far, so far, so far. That's unbelievable, Ben. Yeah. Congratulations on on your son. I, and Congratulations on your daughter, daughter in yeah. case you get in trouble again. No, I, <laughs> you know what? I joke with her, like like at the foundation dinner. Like we'll have a thousand people, God willing, uh, to raise money November seventeenth at the Hilton on Staten Island, and we'll have all these great people like Tracy Morgan and Evander Holyfield and Phil Sims, and just we're very blessed. Rosie Perez, whatever, and just so many. And um, I'll, I'll get up there and I'll, you know, thank everybody and do a little talk. And, uh, you know, I, I introduced my family because without family, what what would the worth of doing anything be if you didn't have them to share it with you? And it would take away from that worth a lot, uh, the gratification of knowing that you can share something with your family. And so I, I get up there and I make the whole room start giving a little giggle where I say my I go through each one of them I'm proud of they and and my daughter Nicole so proud of you don't eat complain I have why couldn't you become a lawyer 30 years ago I could have used you <laughs> <laughs> that's good man 
But I mean, two great kids you raised, man. Congratulations. You know, you're smart as a whip, genuine, nice guy. Thank you. Man, not, Thank you, not enough to say about you. Great time. Love to have you back. We, we could go. I really oof. enjoyed being here with oh, you guys. Man, we had a blast. You're, you're telling me congratulations. Congratulations to you guys for building this up and having this and having this audience. And I can see why, because you're real. I and, appreciate uh, it. We appreciate and, it. And, uh, yeah. You you're not you're not filtered. You 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 say what should be said, for the reasons that it should be said. I think we all should do that more, or should be allowed to do that. Should feel free to do that, um, you know, within the right uh, confines of what's proper. But we should be allowed to say what we believe. You know, and, and well, what we say is even if say just one person watches this and one person it touches, that's all that matters. Yeah. It's all about when when we have conversations like this, you know, we're talking about real shit that's going on. Even if it just touches one person, it was worth everything. And it usually does. Yeah. But congratulations to you guys, and thank you thank for having me. Oh, thank thank, thank you for coming. For coming. Thank you for coming, and love to have you back. I'll leave with this one last thing. Every once in a while, I come out of retirement. Last time was three years ago, whatever. Uh-oh, uh oh, come back out? No, no. Uh, I, I, you'll be the first baby. to know. You'll be the first to know. But I came out. Keep, and, yeah, we were, you got to keep your word on that. When you I, come I, back I, out, I can see you. you're itching. You're and, fucking no, itching. No, I don't know. There. It, yeah, it would are. have to be the right situation. Obviously, we always yeah. know that. But, um. But the last time, I don't know, it was three, four years ago, whatever. He's back. And I came back. No, I don't know. And <laughs> I, I came back, and Patty. we won the world title, the light heavyweight Patty, title. you're coming back. You know <laughs> no, but, and, and people every once in a while, they say, you know, and I came back, and I'm, I'm retired again. But people would say, Teddy, what's it going to take to bring you back? And, and this is what I'll leave you with. Um, I know it sounds kind of ridiculous, but... A good person, because yeah, I think I've earned the right to, that it's a guy at a certain level. We know that. We I think we understand that it's it's not going to be a ten year project, but it's going to be a guy that needs help at that point to get to the next point. Um, but uh, it's just three things. One, it it's someone I got to believe I can help him. If I don't really think I can help him, I'm I'm not I'm I, I'm just not going to do it because yeah, you can still make money, but. That's no. I'm. I'm just. I'm not a. I'm not perfect. I'm not a priest. I'm not. But if I don't think I can help him, then I. Can, I'm not going to do it. The second thing is, will he let me help him? Is he coachable? That's the second thing. But the third, and it should be the first, is and it's all contingent on that. Is he a decent person? A decent human being that I want to be around. Leave my family. Even now, later, that I was doing it for so many years. But leave my family for two months in a training camp, whatever, uh, th- and be around. Is it a person that I, I actually like and want to be around? Right? Want to be around that person? If it's not, I'm not doing it. I'm just not. I'm just not doing it. Uh, there's a. I don't You'd be know. Cheating them too. Yeah, of right? course. Yeah. And I don't know if it's because I got older. I think I always there's a degree of this, but. I want to be around good people. And I just finished with this. I was around good people today. Oh, and you. and to me, that's that that's a gift. To me, it's a good day. So it was a good day. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Thanks Thank you. Thanks for coming Thank on. Thank you, Teddy. Appreciate it, sir. Let me shake your hands the right way. The right way. We're trying to reach How over two better? bars. <laughs> Thank you.
This podcast is brought to you by Liquid IV. This is a product I always use after I run, work out, and do the sauna. It's a great way to hydrate the body and feeling your best self. All you do is one stick of Liquid IV and 16 ounces of water. It hydrates the body faster and more efficient than water alone. Three times the electrolytes as other sports drinks and contains five essential vitamins, B5, B12, B3, B6, and vitamin C. It also tastes great. Flavors like watermelon, lemon lime, strawberry, and many more. Buy in bulk at Costco or go to liquidiv.com and use the code MSCSMedia, no space, for 15% off. No other way to hydrate the body.